You've been working out hard? I I mean, yeah, when I can, I've been working a lot. You looking dude? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, dude. Well, let's let's are get you, you, you gotta be the host, Bessie. I gotta be the host, dude. You gotta let me, you gotta let me know these things. You gotta let me know these things. Well, welcome to the SZ podcast. For those who are new to listening, um, today we've got a a very special guest, I would say, someone who his testimony is just wild, like getting to watch this man grow and, and impact me and Adam's life is just awesome. And our guest is Drew. Drew, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, dude. We just we just want to use this platform. I think we're kind of shifting everything to just share people's stories, man. It's always good to to hear from people and see how like the Lord's affected them. And yeah, man, we just kind of want you to tell your story of how everything's gone and give you time to get it out to people. So it's all you, man. Yeah, this is um, definitely be the like bigger, probably the biggest platform I've got to share my testimony on besides like, I mean, you have social media, but you know, hindsight, how many people are really looking that yeah. you follow, whatever. But like, as far as verbally, you know, saying it it's so it's kind of it's it's a little spooky yeah but, you know because there's a lot of like a lot of tragedy in it and a lot of sad and you know a lot of anger and things like that but it's cool to be on you know this side of the story now mm-hmm. you know at, to be on that upper hand side good dude but like you know, you know start from the beginning <laughs> yeah just just start from the beginning and go or go wherever you want to go with it man yeah dude so you know my my life story really consists of just um you know i I grew up in um you know being little i didn't realize like you know the house i grew up in there was a lot of turmoil you know i had a mom that grew up in a real hard situation and of course i didn't understand that till i was older and, um, you know, I was really bitter with her for a long time. And then, you know, I had a dad that was always trying to fix a marriage. And again, being a kid, I just would look at my dad and try to figure out, you know, why are you trying to fix this marriage when, you know, it's so hard on us kids? Why aren't you protecting us? And of course, I didn't appreciate that till I was older, too. But anyways, you know, I, I grew up, you know, mostly in the New Mexico area. My dad's job moved us around a lot. So, you know kind of the upside there is I got to learn how to adapt to a lot of situations and a lot of different people, um, you know, socioeconomic wise, we grew up, you know, fairly poor, low income. And, um, so those are like the kind of groups and the kids that I got to run around with, you know, were the kids that were typically in a little more trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> or typically caused a little more trouble. And, um, you know, that's kind of the crowd I followed for a while, uh, just because that's who I had. But then also, like, the, the beauty of that group and that crowd was, you know, you never felt excluded. Um, that's why I, can't, I have such a really, I, well, I should say I have a real big soft spot in my heart for low-income kids. Yeah. It's just because it's like, okay, cool, I get you. You know, I get, I get the struggle, you know, I get why you act out. I get why things are hard. I get why you're embarrassed about, you know, clothes or shoes. And it's like, man, 
you know, I can't wait for you guys to be older because then you realize how much that doesn't matter, like whatsoever. <laughs> you know, in school right now, it seems like it's, you know, forever and huge. But um, anyways, yeah, to get on with my story. Um, you know, I grew up in um I grew up in a Christian home. I can't say that I didn't, you know, and we weren't like the family that was just like Christmas, Easter. You know, we went on a regular basis, but um, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus till I was in my thirties. And so, you know, I, I never really got the connection of what salvation or any of those things were till I was older and really understood. I mean, yeah, I knew who Jesus was and who God was, you know, I, I knew, you know, in a roundabout way, what the, what the Trinity was, you know, the Holy spirit, but I didn't appreciate it. You know, I remember getting in trouble going to like Northside church of Christ with my dad. Cause I was like way into Slayer at that time. And I wrote my Bible. And yeah. That really made my dad mad. <laughs> you know, being rebellious, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, you know, we always had it around, but I, like I said, I didn't appreciate it. And then, you know, times like when I made a real mental shift and I really went into the dumps with depression um, and really hit my low was, you know, my parents fought a lot in front of us and mm-hmm. it sucked. And, and like, let me put this disclaimer out now. My, if anybody knows my parents now and knows who they are, that's who they genuinely are they were just two very young kids that had kids yeah. and really confused about things until later in life. And they are without doubt the best parents I could have ever asked for. Yeah. Um, the greatest grandparents you've ever met. I mean, nine times out of 10, I come over to the house and if I don't have kids with me. They're looking at me like, why are you here? Where's, where's the kids? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, um, the Christmas when I was 16, my parents were, going through like a divorce process and it's like the it was like the hundredth time that it happened but like this time like okay cool it's like it's finally real and um you know just some things went on with my mom and I that like it was kind of like the straw finally broke the camel's back and you know it just sent me into a real low and of course at that time, I didn't realize that my mom had gone through so many abusive things in her past with her family and, you know, with, with, you know, her brothers and her dad that she was afraid of men. And of course, at that age, I'm 16, I'm starting to mature. I didn't realize my mom's afraid of me and it didn't make sense to me why my mom would be afraid of me until I got understood that it had nothing to do with me it was just fear that was instilled from abusive relationships so you know she thought that you know I was siding with my dad and made my life really hard and you know I developed just this deep hatred and resentment for my mother and you know I just let it carry into my adult life you know I met and married um, my first wife Shelby and, you know, I had no business marrying that girl. I was honestly, you know, 21 years old, scared to death to be alone. Um, you know, she had the whole world in front of her and I was just as immature as immature could be, you know, no life direction, no real, real sense of what I wanted to do with my life. I was just kind of coasting along. And, um, you know, I hit like that reality, like, man, if I don't marry her now, I'm a loser. 
And so, you know, we got married and that was a blessing in itself, but, you know, we got married and, um, you know, I, at that time, like I thought, okay, I want to be a police officer. And, you know, I went into the police academy, super immature, totally not ready for what that job had entailed. And, you know, was like maybe a quarter away through the academy, just kind of just basically floating along and it caught up to me, you know, being late to class, not taking it serious and got a call from Aztec PD that, you know, Hey, you're done. We're not going to, you know, we're not keeping you. And it like, that was like a downward spiral for me, you know, was like, Oh man, I failed at this. But instead of looking at it, failure, like I look at it now, it was like, well, that's the end. You know, I'm, I suck. I'm a loser. I'm not going to ever be better than this, you know? And I let that define me. So then I just, you know, picked up like a job at Lowe's and worked there for a while, then finally got a career in the oil field and went on from there. And, but I always had that nagging at me in the back of my mind, just that failure. And then like the failure of growing up, you know, never being a good student, you know, never trying hard, you know, my parents' marriage always, you know, the failures of their marriage and feeling like that was like part of me because of always being in the middle of those fights. And just this nagging thing for years and years and years. And then, you know, just a quick caring about my health, gained a ton of weight. Um, you know, got, I fell completely out of my faith at that point too. You know, I totally removed myself from church, totally removed myself from God, uh, proclaimed myself as an atheist, you know, and just went on this rampage of, you know, if anybody wanted to talk to me about God, it was like my job to tell them how they were wrong and that he doesn't exist and none of it matters. Yeah. And so I'm just in this toxic spiral. I'm abusive to my wife. Uh, I'm neglectful of my kids. You know, I'm just, I'm wanting to hang out with friends. I'm trying to fill the void with everything you can't imagine. And I never had like a substance abuse issues, you know, never dabbled with drugs. You know, I always drank responsibly, but just, you know, like eating and just feed myself and just eat and eat and eat and eat. And that was kind of drug. And um, I just kept on that destructive path until, you know, I was in my thirties. And then, you know, like the point hit where it's like, in my mind, I've lied to myself so much that, you know, my wife at the time, Shelby was like, well, that's my problem. You know, I'm not happy because of her. You know, I'm not happy because I grew up in this abusive, you know, this verbally abusive home. You know, I should have had better than that. You know, people should have done me better than that. You know, like, and I put like this huge weight and responsibility on my ex-wife of like, you know, you were supposed to take care of me. You were supposed to fix this. And it wasn't her job at all. I understand now. But, you know, I just, in this mess of just depression and sorrow and sadness and all these things and nothing's filling that void. And finally I like, okay, if I divorce her, you know, like, you know, I can have my own life and I can make things better and I can do things right. And I thought that was the right step. So, you know, we moved in the process of divorce. I'm at the time 31 years old. So this is, you know, five years ago and, you know, we're going through this divorce and I'm thinking I'm happy, you know, I'm starting to date like, oh yeah, this is great. This is cool. But I'm still empty. I'm still empty. And then when like the divorce finally happened, 
I had lost my job from BP and my divorce was finalized in the same week. And it was like this crushing blow. Like things were supposed to get better. You know, things were supposed to be great. And like, here I am and I have nothing. I have no job. I'm living in a two bedroom house with my buddy. I can't, I don't see my kids. I don't have anybody to go to. You know, I've ostracized myself from my family because I had burned so many bridges of just being this angry atheist, you know, and just like, I have no one. I have no one to go to. And well, at that time, you know, while going through the divorce process, my kids started going uh, with my parents to Pinion Hills Church. And, um, you know, so I just lost my job, you know, divorce is finalized and I got nothing. And I'm, you know, just praying like God give me a or actually not praying at time. It was really just, man, I need a job. I need, you know, a way to provide for my kids and, you you know, pay child support and, you know, pay bills. Like, how am I going to do this? And my kids finally started asking me, you know, like, Hey dad, come to church with us. It's really fun. You know, mama and papa go there and they really like it. And we really like it. And it's a lot of fun. And I, you know, I have the hardest time telling my kids no, in that sense of like, I didn't want to disappoint him. And it was weird. Like, even as an atheist, like in the back of my mind, I still wanted my kids to have this relationship with Jesus. Right. Makes sense yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, for me, it's like, Oh, it doesn't work for me, but you know, I like, I want them to have something wholesome. I want them to have something fulfilling. So, you know, I find like, yeah, okay guys, you know, I remember like, telling my oldest son, Jacob, like, yeah, I'll go like whatever. And I'm trying to have like a positive mental attitude, you know, face wise towards him to not knock it down for him. But, you know, in the back of my mind, like, Oh, this is stupid. This is going to suck. This is just a big building full of fake people. And I'm going to go in there and nothing's going to happen. And then I'm like, okay, just go in there. Just keep your head down, go sit with your parents, you know, just whatever he's got to say on the pulpit, like, cool, let him say it. You can be gone and go do whatever you want to do for the rest of your day. So I remember walking in and just immediately people were like, Hey, how are you doing? It's great to have you here. Hey, great seeing you here. I've never met you before. Hey, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, a little like whole avoiding people thing just went out the door. <laughs> yeah. And people are just being kind and loving and, you know, with open arms. And so it's like, okay, shake some hands. Hey, yeah, uh, how are you doing? Like, all right, let's get on with this. I go sit down in the pew and like to this day, man, I wish I, I, I wish I could have recorded it. I wish I knew what the sermon was about because I cannot remember for the life of me. I just remember Pastor Morgan has sermon and I'm sitting there with my parents and I just felt this wave over me. And I just remember feeling like hearing this and just like I'm coming to tears and I'm just like, like, this isn't supposed to be happening. Like, what's, this is weird. And I remember being angry with it. Like, this is stupid. Why am I crying? You know, why am I feeling this way? Like, why do I feel so empty? You know, but then I also felt loved and I felt like, okay, like I feel some peace finally. And, um, you know, I, I again, I would get anything to just, I can have that thing. I say I would give anything to know what that sermon was about, but I guarantee you probably had like nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it sure. just had yeah. it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, after that, I, um, 
I left church and it was like, okay, there's something here. And, you know, that was real. That wasn't just, you know, fake, you know, make believe church stuff as I wanted to make it, you know, there was something real to it. And I remember at the end of the sermon, you know, somebody talking about celebrate recovery. I thought, okay, maybe that, that'd be good for me, you know, dealing with depression and anger and these issues, you know, maybe that's something that, you know, I can transition into and go check out. And I was supposed to go on a date with this girl that just, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to be going out with like mentally. I knew like this probably wasn't the right person for me. And like, you know, she seemed fun and, you know, it was like, okay, I could do that or I can go celebrate recovery. And it just kind of gnawed at me and gnawed at me. And I just remember like calling her like, yeah, Hey, I can't go out tonight. I got to go do some other stuff. And, you know, I didn't even tell her like, Hey, I'm going to go to celebrate recovery. I just like, Hey, I got other things to do. And I remember pulling up to the church and seeing the groups there and like everybody's inside. And I think again, like me being me at that time, like, all right, I'm just going to sneak in the door, like sign in. I'm just going to sit in the back and, you know, just like, you know, under the radar. So I show up, same thing, same plan, walk in, sign my name. All right, nobody sees me. And, you know, I look around and I'm like, oh, dude, this is about drugs and alcohol. I'm like, I don't have drug and alcohol problems. Like, okay, if I back out now, no one sees me and I can just leave. And then right then, Pastor Morehouse comes up to me, shakes my hand, says, hey, man, it's great to have you here, man. I've never seen you before. My name is Darren Morehouse. I'm a pastor. You know, just want to let you know, hey, this isn't all about drugs and alcohol. I just remember my jaw dropping, like, are you, you reading my mind? Like, what? <laughs> like, I'm looking around, like, how do you, how do you know that? How, how do you know, like, that was a, that's creepy. Like, how do you know I was thinking that? <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, all right, cool. I'll give this a chance. And um, so, you know, we, and of course, Celebrate Recovery really bases itself around the 12 steps, but with, of course, a, you know, massive Christian emphasis and a, and a massive uh, following and love for Christ. So I'm, you know, hearing these people's stories and hearing what they've recovered from, whether it been drug, alcohol, anger issues, whatever they may be, whatever their hurts and hangups were. And it really started, you know, kind of, you know, that's where Jesus really started first planting that seed in my heart. And so then we, you know, women would break off into the women's group and men would break off in the men's group. And I just remember sitting there in this group and these men are telling me these stories that, you know, were so, you could tell they were painful to tell, but you could see like the look on their face of just like that weight coming off of them. And so same thing for me, it was like, it finally got to me and like, you know, would you like to share anything? And it's like, yeah, I've been a monster. You know, I was a monster to my ex-wife. I was abusive verbally, physically to her. You know, I, I've been just this, just evil. I've had this negative attitude. I've let depression define me. I've let hurt define me. I've let all these things define me. And, you know, these were things I never wanted to tell anybody. I mean, even to this day, I get nervous to tell people these things because I don't know what they'll think of me. But I also don't know who it might affect. And I'd rather be transparent with who I am than keep it hidden. And so, you know, that was that first step of like, okay, 
I'm not going to let these things define me anymore. You know, I'm going to let my relationship with Jesus define me. I'm going to let, um, you know, the good of what he does through me define me. And, you know, that's when the weight first started really lifting, you know, so I'm starting to develop this relationship with Christ. I'm starting to develop a relationship with my church, with my community, you know, and, you know, I'm still at that point, like I'm still heavy. I'm like 300 pounds and I feel miserable physically, like getting out of bed, you know, I have gout in my feet and I'm having to almost crawl out of bed until my feet get adjusted. And then I can start walking around. And so same thing at that time, like, all right, man, you know, I'm pretty sure God wants me in tip top shape. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want me like fat and lazy and lethargic and, you know, miserable like this. And and if any of you guys like know my dad, my dad's a fitness junkie. And so, you know, he's just at, you know, been begging me, you know, get in the gym, get in the gym with me, just come work out with me. You know, we'll, we'll have that time together. We'll hang out. Like, like, okay, cool. You know, I finally sign up, go start going to college with my dad, working out with him and just, like climbing a mountain, man, little by little, I started seeing progress in my life, you know, started diving into my home groups with church. I joined, uh, I joined this, uh, married or this married people's group, you know, cause I knew in the back of my mind, well, I'm not going to be single forever. I'm going to be married someday again. You know, let's put the armor of God on and let's prepare me for this wife someday that I'm going to have. So that was my mentality. It was just having this future of like, Let's start preparing the right way. You know, let's get my body physically ready for the fight. Let's get my mind ready for the fight. Let's do everything right for life. You know, because everything I've done in the past obviously didn't work. So I had, uh, you know, working out, you know, every Sunday I'm in church, every Wednesday night I'm in church. And I, and it's not just showing up, but it's just showing up and then participating, showing up and sharing. Showing up and allowing other people to love me because for years I wouldn't let people in because it's like, well, yeah, I'll let you in, but I'm only going to let you in this much because, you know, if you hurt me, it's going to be easier for me to bounce than actually invest into a relationship. And so, you know, with that, I'm allowing people in. I'm allowing people to know me. I'm allowing people to know the deep, dirty, nasty secrets I've kept for so long. You know, I'm allowing people to know that, you know, I was a monster, but I'm not now. And, you know, through Jesus, I'm not a monster. Through salvation, I'm not a monster. You know, through love and through acceptance, I'm not a monster. And then, you know, it's been cool with that because I've been able to share that with other guys that, you know, don't have a relationship with Jesus and, you know, have a sketchy past. And it's like, hey, cool, dude. I was a piece of crap too at one time, (laughs) you know, oh, you know, people at church are fake, you know? Yeah. Some are, there's a reality to that. Some are, but honestly, the majority of them aren't and they're amazing people and they'll love you. Just, you got to let it happen. So, you know, kind of getting back to the story, you know, I'm starting to make these transformations in my life. I'm starting to go through these processes And things are going really good, but I'm still having sketchy relationships with with women that I shouldn't be having. You know, I'm having premarital sex and I'm feeling empty when that relationship didn't work. 
you know, get into another relationship, premarital sex, still feeling empty. And it's like, you know, I'm finding these women, they're great, but like, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling loved. I'm not feeling like what I'm supposed to be feeling. And around that time, you know, I, I found out about my wife now who's Jackie and, you know, I wanted to pursue her, but it's like, man, here's this Christian woman that's, you know, involved in mops and she's doing all these amazing ministries and like, God's just showing me this woman that's just so amazing. And I'm looking at myself like, do you want to introduce her to you right now? Do you think this is the best you'd give her? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I wanted to pursue her so bad, but I didn't know how to do it without looking like a creep, you know, getting on Facebook and messenger, messenger, like saying, hey, what's up, yo? <laughs> you know, I wanted to do it right, but I just didn't know how to get to her. So like around that time, that was what, that'd be the summer of, 2016 you know I just said you know I'm, I'm done having these relationships I'm done just having you know premarital sex I'm done just dating I'm going to date with a purpose you know I'm going to date looking for my wife and that's it and if you don't you know fall into you know these values that I want it's just not going to work so at that time there was a lot of like one dinner dates of just like you know, get to meet them and like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, I know about God and I know about these things, but you know, it's just, you know, I don't see the point in it. And, you know, to me, it was like, okay, that's cool. That's your opinion. This just isn't going to work. And I caught some backlash from a couple of women that were like, oh, so you're just a snob. I'm like, no, I mean, it's cool for you to have your opinion and that's your opinion. If you want to stay with that, that's great. It just doesn't work for me. And, you know, so I'm alone but I'm not empty. You know, these dates aren't working out, but I'm not like leaving the day going like, man, like crap. I thought she was the one. Like I'm leaving like, cool. God, thanks for letting me know, you know, thanks for giving me the sign. And then, um, you know, that fall, I, I started going out with another girl at church that I met, which was a super, super nice woman. And, you know, same thing. I'm going to just stick to my guns, but she, you know, she started like, like, man, she's like falling in line with all the things she's, involved in her ministry she's involved with worship you know like everything's perfect this is going to be great and then she just gets cold feet on me like i don't know if i can do a long-term relationship and like that was right there the red flag of like okay cool i i'm not i can't be friends with a woman i'm a man you're a woman you know iron sharpens i cannot be friends with a woman <laughs> you know and so that was like the okay, thanks God for another sign. But she had asked me because her son had an elk tag, if I could take him on an elk hunt. So I'm like, yeah, I'll hang out a little bit longer to help him with that. And so, you know, we kept that friendship like alive for like another two weeks. Well, I took her son on an elk hunt and she calls me one day at work and says, Hey, I want you to meet my friend. I think my friend would be a good fit for you. And like, I've gotten set up in the past and it was super sketchy. <laughs> So like at first I'm like, no, no, I don't want to meet your friend. No. <laughs> and she was like, but come on, you know, you know, you don't even know who she is. You know, can I at least tell your name? I'm like, yeah, what's her name? She said, Jackie. I'm like, okay, Jackie, who Jackie Perryman. And when she said that, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, uh, like you want to give your friend my number or like, like, holy crap. Like this is the woman I've been praying to meet the woman that I've been like 
like, man, how do I get to her? How do I get to her? And then bam, she's in my lap. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, God, uh, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so, you know, I talked to Jackie and, you know, we start this relationship and we're a month into a, our relationship and we get engaged because we both were in the same line of like, we're dating with intention. I prayed about this woman, prayed about this woman, prayed about this woman. And then now she's in my hands and it's like, okay, God, wow. I see it now. You know, everything I wanted in a wife is right here. She's an amazing mother. She has an awesome ministry. She loves Jesus and she's vocal about loving Jesus. You know, we both come from hard past, you know, we understand each other and it just, I fell in love with her like crazy. So we get engaged after a month. We get married after six months, you know, instant Brady Bunch. I had three kids. Jackie has three kids. Now we got a bunch of kids. Downside is though, you know, we both had issues that we thought we had dealt with that we didn't deal with at all. And so, you know, the last four years of our marriage have been hard. And we're finally starting to come to a point now that, you know, we're working through the issues. We're understanding these hurts. I definitely have to take a lot of accountability for myself because there was a lot of things in my past that I thought I was over and I wasn't over. You know, there was things about Jackie's past that she thought she was through and she wasn't through. And just, you know, having to step back and go, okay, you know, we've made the commitment. You know, we took our vows with God. You know, divorce isn't an equation. Now it's time to dig even deeper and work through all the uncomfortable situations. And it's, you know, I can honestly say like this marriage compared to my last marriage is a lot harder because now I'm accountable. You know, I'm accountable to God. I'm not just accountable to my wife. I'm accountable to God because I made this vow to God with this woman. So I just can't like, okay, today sucks and our marriage isn't fun. You know, I'm going to bounce. I don't have that option. And I'm not going to let that be an option. You know, I'm going to stay firm and stay convicted and, you know, stay right there with my wife through thick and thin, through her hard, through her bad. I don't want to fail. And I would, you know, I would rather go and have a marriage with her than just try and try and try and just work and work and work and work and then meet my maker at the end of the day and go like, you know, God, I worked hard. I kept my vow then divorce and go to God and say, Hey, I, I gave up, <laughs> but, um, that's kind of like my life in a nutshell, you know, just recovering from a lot of pain. And through that, you know, I, I think the biggest lesson I've ever learned was no matter what happened to you as a kid, no matter what happens to you as a young man, as an adult, as a young adult, and now where I'm at in my mid thirties is, you know, things happen, man. Life's hard. There's nothing gentle about this life. There's nothing that is like a give me. There's nothing that just, just hand, handed to you. And when the hard things happen, you have to make that decision of, okay, you know, yeah, it happened. Yeah. That sucked. I still have to be accountable for me though. You know, I, 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 I rode that train for so long. Of, well, I come from a damaged home, so I'm damaged too. And I'll always be damaged. And it didn't serve me. It didn't serve anything. And, you know, finally, I'm like, dude, you're, you know, one day, like, just laying in bed, like, you're a 31-year-old man. 
you can't like be blaming everything on your mom anymore. You can't blame everything on your dad anymore. You're a grown man that pays bills. You've owned a home. You have children. It's time to pick it up and take accountability for your own life. Even things that happen now, it's like, you know, losing my job back uh, last spring. You know, I had no control on that. Oil market crashes. And then it's like, I can sit there and go, man, this sucks. You know, I guess I'm not good enough to keep a job. Or it's like, all right, that sucks. What's next? <laughs> you know, I'm not dead. Let's see what God has in store for me. And thank God I found the career of my life. It's the greatest job I ever had. I got a job with Farmington Fire Department. I've never been happier. I'm in my probationary year, which is the hard year of getting picked on and, you know, just the cool things that come along with the fire service, the brotherhood, the fraternity. And it's, I wouldn't trade it for a world. If they told me I had to go through the academy again to do this again, I'd be like, cool, when do I start? <laughs> I, I finally feel like where God's taking me in my life at 36 years old, like I know where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm back in college. I was terrified to be a student because, you know, growing up again, I had, I, I, I struggle with dyslexia. You know, in the past, it was like, you know, again, I let it define me. I let it control me. Like, oh, you're just not smart enough. Oh, you just don't get it like the other kids. And that's true. You don't get it like the other kids. You don't get things like other people. The only difference is now it's like, okay, I don't get it like other people. So how do I need to learn? And then I find ways for it to work for me. And I find ways to be successful with it. Yeah, I'm like writing right now in my EMT class in the mid nineties for my grade. I'm pretty sure 18 year old me was looking back going like, we, we can do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we can do that. You know what it takes? You just got to do it. Well, I tell you what, man. Um, I mean, I'm just, I, I've, I've listened, I, I've, I've heard the story before, man, but not in full detail. Like you just gave. Yeah. And there's no words, man. I mean, it's it, the whole story of just what Jesus truly is and how he, you know, we deal with all that pain, but he doesn't want us to deal with that pain, man. That's his plan, you know? And when we go lost in the, we go lost in the wilderness for a lot of years with stuff, man. And, but that's where his glory shows up. And even the way we met, dude. So let oh. me just, I mean, let's just that's how we met. So I've got to I've got to give my perspective on how I met Drew here. So yeah. I've never knew about Drew. I've never even met the guy. I don't even know. He reaches out to me through a Facebook message like, hey, man, can I come down and do a workout? And I'm like, I've never met the guy. You know, this is just coming through a Facebook post. And the same thing, God speaks to me there. And it's like, you know, the story he's taken me on. It's like, sure, man, come on down. Let's see. And then that first day, dude, this is when I knew we were going to be friends because you came in the first day, man, and I've never met you at like 5 a.m. And it's me, you, and Damian Lovato sitting there at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you're sitting there telling me that you were abusive to your wife. I was a terrible husband, and I'm like, damn, dude, I just met this guy. Like, he's just pouring it out. Like he, you are pouring it out. And I'm like, I'm taken back because I've never met you, you know? 
but I'm sitting there knowing like, this is pure, man. Like this is something coming from a bigger place than like, I, like I said, man, I, I knew Jesus then. And I seen, I don't see that as a judgmental weakness. You know, I just see like, man, this guy's pouring his heart out right here. Like this is big. And look, man, I mean, ever since that day, we've always had that good relationship, man. And, you know, it's always been there since. And it was just crazy how we met, dude. And I always take like, it, it takes a lot of balls to sit there and come and share a story where you don't even know the person and just sit there and share that. That, that, that you're going to have balls to do that, man. And when you were sharing that, I looked at you as a man who had balls. You know, I didn't look at you as a man that has weakness. I'm like, dude, this is no joke. Like this guy, he, he's, he wants to get better. He's sharing it out and you weren't running from it. And I was like, dude, I respect that. Like no other man. And to watch your story, dude, I, I follow you every day on Facebook. I follow your stories, man. I love when you tag me in workout stuff. We've worked out together before all that, man, but your story and what I just listened to one of the greatest things I've ever heard, man. Like, and I'm super proud of you for being one of those people that did never quit, man. And like from man to man, just as respect as a man to take a stand for your family, man, to take a stand for, you know, what is right in your life. Like it's nothing but respect and love for me, dude. Like I love seeing it every day, man. I love seeing you when you graduated the fire Academy. Cause you know, everyone sees the crap on Facebook where it's like all the good pitches, you know, oh, yeah. but when you know the story behind the scenes and then you okay. see that good stuff, I mean, there's nothing better, man. Like I, it fires me up beyond belief. Like just to see you and Jackie working out together yesterday doing kettlebell stuff, dude, you have no idea how much that fired me up. Man. Oh yeah, dude. Sure. It's, it's humbling. You know, dude, there's days I go into work and I'm putting my gear on a truck and I'm like, there's Farmington fire on my chest, Farmington fire and rescue. And I'm looking around like, like, you know, the, the devil of course is in the back of your mind. Like you don't belong here. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't earn this. You don't belong here. But then you look back and like, yeah, I do. I worked hard for this. And yep. I pray dude, that job is a hundred percent God. That job, this career right now is 100% God. It all started with working out with you guys. I mean, that was the first day of the getting ready for this career, getting ready for where I'm at now was like making that choice of like, all right, dude, like your workouts that you're doing aren't working hard enough for you. You got to find people that are going to push you. And eventually it pushed me to where I got it myself and went, all right, cool. Thanks. You know, almost like, Hey, Thanks for the kick in the butt. I got it from here. You know yep. what I mean? I don't need somebody else to drive me, but man, thanks for giving me my starting point. Now I'm going to take it from here. And it, it, Dude, is, do, you, do you remember, do you remember the, uh, do you remember the pinion Mesa trail run when you'd never ran oh, three that, miles? That first one was like, <laughs> Dude, but I remember it ate me up so bad. Like I came in last that sucks. And so I just kept grinding it out and grinding it out. And then the next one, it's like, I'm not coming in last. I don't care if I die on that trail. I'm not coming in last. And like the women that we run with, dude, those ladies are savages, like straight up. <laughs> so like, 
to come in like middle of the pack, dude. I had to work for that. I remember like the next day I could not walk right. <laughs> hey, so just I want to hit on the fitness side real quick, man. Like, because I want people to understand this. Like, we hear a lot of your story, but getting from 300 pounds to where you're at now, like, that is on a that's a that's on a level of achievement that a lot of people don't understand. When you first start working out at that size, what was the number one thing? Was it a daily progression? Because a lot of people get motivated at the beginning, but when the motivation wears off, they always go back. There's a struggle. What was the what was the route to continue that progression to get where you're at? Cause a lot of people fail with this. And there's a lot of people out there today that are 300 to, you know, a lot of weights being putting oh, yeah. on. And it's so hard to start, man, because walking around with 300 pounds on your frame, there's it's, it's intense on the body and it's very intense on the mind. But what was the, just the driving force to get you to where you're at to now to get through those tough days early? Um, you know, the driving force one, you know, well, it's super shallow, like the original driving force. I just wanted to be a track because, you know, newly single dude, you know, and I, I'll do all face the facts, at least from my own story. I'm 300 pounds. I don't look good. I don't right. look sexy. You know, I got man boobs. Yeah, you know, I, I don't look good. And so, you know, it was like, I just want to look appealing. I want to look good to myself and I, whoever my partner was going to be, you know, I wanted to look appealing to them. And so really like the first building blocks is I just kind of started with machines, you know, stuff that could, I could control my movement. And I made it a five day a week journey, you know, church on like my schedule. And when I was single and pretty much my schedule till now. You know, five, six days a week, I'm working out. Church on Sunday, church. Well, now we do church on Tuesday nights, me and my wife. But, you know, church, it was church on Sunday. I worked out Monday through Saturday and then had uh, my home group on Wednesdays. And I shot archery like on Tuesdays or Thursdays. And that was my schedule. And then I ate healthy. You know, like uh, my best buddy, Brandon, that I lived with at the time, that two-bedroom house, we hunted so much that all we ate was like wild game. And then at the time, my grandpa had this garden and we were two cheap wads. So we got all our veggies from him. We ate the animals that we killed. So we had these super healthy lean diets. And then just I made working out or I made Jesus and working out my life. Yeah. And, you know, it was just I watched the pounds starting to come off. And I never had like those like psycho weight losses where like I lost 10 pounds in a week or I lost 20 pounds in a week. You know, it was more of like two, two pounds, you know, a pound here, right. two pounds, three pounds. And I would get like super dialed on my diet and not have like a pizza or like a donut or something like that. And so it was just slow, progressive weight loss. And then, you know, when I met Jackie and, you know, I started working nights, I got away from it and I gained like, 40 pounds back and you know that's and that's the time i met you dude like i signed up to do this bash at the beach 5k and i went and i had already lost that 50 pounds i got down to 200 pounds i gained 50 pounds back and i run this 5k with my dad and i want to die I'm like this sucks like why did i do this again and that's when i called you but you know it was just this mental thing of just i want to be fit i like the way i feel now do I like the fact that I can pick these CrossFit workouts 
and I know it's going to beat me up and I know it's going to knock me down. But then at the end of it, it's like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know, yeah, dude. I mean, that's a great, that's a, that's what a lot of people have to hear, man. And even so many people get caught up on the quick fix. And I always come back to the foundation of like, listen, man, every day you got to lay a brick. You just got to lay a brick from the day before. And some days those bricks are harder to lay than others. But if you have that constant progression daily, you can get stand on a pretty good foundation after a month, after a year. You know, you can handle that. But if you skip bricks and you want the quick fix of like, yeah, I want 10 pounds in a week. If you lose 10 pounds in a week, man, it is unhealthy and it's going right back on. It's not going to last forever. So people today have that image in their head and it's wrong. That's why I want people to understand and hear your story from your perspective, because you've seen it from a completely different set of eyes than me. And they need to hear that if you just lay that brick every day, eventually you're going to be standing on a good foundation that will last forever. You know, quick fixes, quick fixes. And this is where dieting and quick fixes have ruined the world is that nothing is going to fix itself in eight weeks. Show me a diet that lasts 20 years. Show me something that's going to last 20, 30 years. Like for me right now, I'm training like I want to see, have a foundation that lasts the next 20, 30 years. You know, I don't want to get, you know, the next eight weeks. And that's a, it's a big thing in fitness that I wanted to hit on man, because obesity is at 90%, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but people have access to every diet and every workout program known to man on the internet. Mm-hmm. So everyone has access to it, but why do so many people struggle with it? The reason people struggle with it is because people don't know how to progress. Mm-hmm. The daily progression is what's missed. That's all it is, man. And look, you did it from 300 pounds. What do you weigh today? Oh, I'm what? I'm at 205 now, which is insane. So nearly 100 pounds, dude, of weight. Because I think at my lowest, I've lost – what a total of 210 pounds because like through the academy i got i got down to 190 and like now that i'm not doing the academy kind of stuff and i'm able to put on a little more weight because that's my goal right now is i like the endurance i have but i missed my strength so yep. i'm eating more yeah i'm eating i'm like trying to do my best at the moment which i need to get dialed on again but I'm like eating real food you know, I'm eating clean food though. You know, and that's like, I think so many people miss out on it. Like, you know, my dad's done the whole ketogenic thing, but you know, it's not, you know, that's five years of doing it and it works for him. You know, my wife tried it and it just tore her gut up. So yeah, you know, that, what might work for one dude might not work for you. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I've always found like I operate the best when I just eat real food, real vegetables and, you know, real meat and things like that. You know, we were in Albuquerque this last weekend and, you know, me and my wife were like, yeah, let's just have fun. You know, let's eat like, like whatever, ate it, ate some cheesecake at the cheesecake factory. Dude, that next day I felt like garbage. I knew it would happen and it tastes, but it's not like, all right, cool. I had cheesecake and then I'm going to have cheesecake again. And then I'm going to have cheesecake again. You know, it's like, all right, cool. I treated myself. That was fun. Let's not do that again. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you have those cheat meals, dude, it's, it's not a physical, like it's a little harder on the body, but sometimes mentally you just, it's good just to have a meal where you just like, man, I just 
don't want to go to that intensity. And it kind yeah. of rechecks you, man, because we get so caught up on today, like the Goggins way of thinking, like every day you got to friggin' rip heads off and it's hard as nails. That's not how it goes, man. You can't progress being that way every single day because every single day you only have so much energy in your brain to put yourself in intense situations. You know, when you look at hell week for the seals, they do it once. Yeah. They want to do it every single day of their life, you know? And that, and that's where people have the illusion. They think it's that way 24 seven. And it's not because if you put yourself, I, I deal with this. If you go too hard, and you put your brain in like it's dealing with stress all day long. Like you're in cold water, you're crushing it in workouts, you're doing this and you go too far. It'll wave the white flag and you, you will get worse. Oh yeah. So progression is key, man. You've got to know when to pull back. You've got to know what fuels going into your body, how your mental state is. A lot of people miss that. Like, I did a video yesterday about your blood system, just flushing blood around the body, how that makes you feel. Being dehydrated, your mental state, just having a break off. Like, you know, I just want to go to my, fa- I want to go out to dinner with my family. And if my kids sit there with a chocolate cake and say, hey, daddy, let's eat a cake, I'm eating it. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there like a psychopath and go, I'm not eating that cake. Man, that's time with my kids. But I'm not going to sit there and eat chocolate cake seven days a week. Yeah. And I know the workout the next day, it's going to suck. But yeah. you know what, man? I like having that time with my kids. It gives me a check because six days a week, I'm intense with myself. And sometimes I just need to be dad. You know, it's, it's a big thing, man. Just at, on constant progression, you can't put yourself into the ground. You know? Oh, dude, that's there's like so many of these CrossFit workouts that, you know, you see them be posted every day and you see what the RX athletes do, you know, in my mind. Yeah, dude, I would, you know, what the other day was 50 bar muscle ups, you know, in my head. Oh yeah, dude, that would be baller to do 50 bar muscle ups. I can probably get like 10 knocked out banded. (laughs) I got banded and I'll do 10. And then after that, you know, they're going to be chicken winged and they're going to look like garbage. And it's just, that's the reality. It's like, yeah, you're going to get like 10 decent ones in and then you're going to turn to garbage and then you're going to get hurt. So how yep. about you chest to bar pull-ups? Do you f- try to go for 50 chest to bar pull-ups? Yep. And if you flop you on them, throw a band on, do them right. You and know? starting slow, dude. Like that's the yeah. thing, man. I had a great conversation with a guy the other day that's just starting to get in shape. And when you first start getting in shape, you have to understand this. Motivation is running at an all-time high level. Like you're watching freaking motivational videos. You start moving around. You're like, oh, my gosh, dude, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you go way too hard. You go way too hard. And then you're like, man, I can't move for four days. I I, I don't want to go to the gym, and I can't do that. Well, you went way too hard. Leave a little bit in the tank every day. And, I mean, trust me, no one has done that worse than me. Like, gosh, I put myself in hospitals doing that stuff, like going way too hard because I was trying to prove to myself that I was tough. (laughs) Like it was stupid. Like I was trying to prove to myself because I didn't make it in baseball that I was still a man, you know, like, but here I am putting myself in hospitals and like hurting myself when it was all for the wrong reasons. And now I understand, man, it's just a constant progression every day. Mix it up during the year. I love what you said when you said, now I'm just focusing on strength. Because I was the same way, man. 
I was focusing on long distance runs for a while and I got down to 155 at stage because all I was doing was running endurance. But I love lifting. I love lifting. I don't just want to run endurance. So after I ran the 240, it all went to strength. So I was like, man, I'm going to eat a lot more. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to do that. And now I've done that for so long. Now we go into, okay, I've got a bike race. I've got a running race in the summer. You know what? Now I'm going to cut back. Now I'm going to switch up my diet. I'm going to lose a little bit of weight. I'm going to put it into moving. And man, that just gives me a good mental break instead of draining it out all year, man. I really think we get so caught up some of these days of looking on Instagram and seeing everyone ripped 24-7 when it's unrealistic, man. Everyone has an off-season. Everyone trains different aspects of strength. Every sport, bodybuilding included, has an Mm off-season, you know? And that's where you take like the CrossFit workouts, like 50-bar muscle-ups. These people see that and they're like, man, a 50-bar 50 bar, 50 muscle-ups will put 95% of people out of commission for two yeah. weeks. Yeah, dude. That's, I, mean, I, I look at that and I remember telling my lieutenant, like, all right, that's unrealistic. I mean, for the dude that can do it, do high-five all day. I'm not going to yeah. knock that. I want to celebrate that guy because that dude's a savage and an animal on a totally different level. But it's like, cool, I'll do chest of bar pull-ups or I'm going to just, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'll find another workout that's intense. I end up doing like Diane that day. And that sucked too, but it was fun. (laughs) Right. But the comparison, man, the comparison of like, we always compare ourselves to others in 2021, man. Like we get on Instagram and we see all these people rip 24 seven PR and doing all this stuff. And that's why I wanted to have this podcast too, is that, you know, being a sinner and being a human in this world, dude, you fail way more than what's posted on Instagram. You fail way more in the weight room. You fail way more anywhere. And I want people to understand that, that the failure is good. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, what, it's what leads you into you being your best. And kids today, that's why there's issues, man. I got to go talk in Dove Creek next week to a bunch of high school kids because they're having suicide issues about mental stuff. Yeah. And this is why it's so important to talk about this stuff today, Drew, because you're sharing like, listen, man, these feelings are normal. All three of us here have seen life in a different perspective. And all three of us have been absolutely at rock bottom down in the friggin' dumps, dude. Yeah. Like, it's so funny, Drew, you said your lowest day. This was so crazy. You said this because I, you said the lowest day you had two things happen at one time, your divorce right. and you'd lost your job and you, what was it? Divorce. Yeah, I divorced, finalized, and lost my job, like, in the same week, I think, like, within, like, a day of each other. Yeah, Dude, I, mean, I remember, I remember, dude, I remember this, the same feeling. I remember I had a salary, and I remember Gracie had her worst seizure the same day, and I lost that salary and the seizure, and I had to tell Joe why she was in the hospital. And I remember standing there, man, with my back against the wall, thinking there's no, there's no further low you can get. Like, and I remember right there, I I had a two voices going on. It's like, I can either try to figure this out and trust God or I'll just quit. And I remember said, I'll figure it out. And then it was kind of like, once you hit rock bottom, it changed direction and you went to start figuring stuff out no matter how hard it was. And it's never been easy one day. 
But you go on the progression, just like I heard you say to Drew, like you went on the change of like, no, I'm getting prepared for a wife. I'm getting prepared for life. I'm getting prepared for this. Instead of saying, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. The whole mental shift. And I felt that that day too, man. And that's what Jesus does because it's like it breaks you free of the trap of the world. And I just heard that in your story today, man. Like, and I, I, I felt that in my own life and to hear you say it, it drills home the truth to me. And I want people to understand that the truth of what Jesus Christ truly is in this world to people, man. And it's just humbling to talk about it today because so many people today, they think of Jesus as this weak judgmental God that sits up in heaven and punishes people and does this. Instead of thinking like, think about when you're an atheist, you're always trying to prove like, oh, God doesn't exist. You know, why would he send good people to hell? Why does God send good people to hell? No, we're all going to hell. We were all going to hell anyway. We're sinners. That's the story. The funny thing is Jesus gives us the way out, man. He takes the weight and the bearing of the world that has just demolished us. And no one else knows, man. That's the thing, dude. We spend the most time with ourselves. And when you're sitting alone at rock bottom, you know, just in that feeling, man, and he shows up and it's just an experience and a feeling that you can't force upon someone else. Yeah. Straight experience. You cannot force what you went through or what I've gone through or what Grant's gone through. You can't force that and tell that to someone else. They have to experience Jesus for themselves. And mostly a lot of people find it in the darkness. He shows up in the darkness, man. Well, that's like thing I always want to try to tell new Christians or dudes that are just getting into their walk, man, is when you accept this life and you accept Jesus as your savior, hindsight, your life's going to get harder. No doubt. No doubt, dude. You know, but the way you handle it now there's more grace to it. There's more peace to it. You know, dude, again, losing my job last year, you know, I'm 36 years old and I'm trying to think like, let's be realistic in a working world. I'm on the starting to creep on that older spectrum, you know, like, and I'm thinking like, what am I going to do? You know? So it's again, all right. The only thing I can do is make myself the best candidate for wherever I'm going. I got to make myself the best for whatever God has planned for me. And, you know, it sucked. I mean, I'm sitting there like, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You know, did I get depressed? Heck yeah, man. When job after job didn't line out, you know, I thought I was going to get a gig with the sheriff's department. You know, they called me back and said, Hey, your interview was great. Everything looked good. We just want more than one more year of separation between you and your divorce. I'm like, Dude, my ex-wife just gave me a stellar review and they just told me this, but it's like, all right, I guess I'll come back next year. You know, I mean, that was my mentality. Like, cool. That sucks, but I guess I'll just try again. You know, the whole thing with the fire department, it literally came from a suggestion from a friend going, hey, you ever thought about being a firefighter? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like looking at it like, oh, that might be cool. I, you know, just kind of put it in the back of my mind a week later get a notification from city of Farmington. Hey, we're hiring for firefighters. I'm like, God, <laughs> it's you. Yeah. And, you know, all right, cool. Let's see what happens with this journey. If it doesn't work out, then that's obviously where God didn't want me. And if it works out, thank you, God. 
You know, I look at every, try to look at everything that way. And, you know, dude, going through the academy, it was spooky. I'm the oldest dude in there, at least at that academy, <laughs> by 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> but call me, you know, everybody calls me old man. You know, it's like, you know, instead of like, oh, yeah, you are old. You know, you just accept it. And then when, it, you know, you have the opportunity to school younger guys in a workout or school mm-hmm. younger, like in a drill, you know, it's awesome. And when those younger dudes school you in a workout, those younger dudes school you in a drill, give them a high five. Like, dude, what's your secret? What'd you do? How were you successful? Yeah. You know, don't knock them. And I think that's another thing, man. We, like what you said, we, we mirror and image people. Dude, I work with, again, straight up savages. I work out with dudes and I work with guys in that department that are just the most dialed firefighters around. Instead of looking at them and going like, well, they're better than you. It's like, okay, how do I get to that level? How do I get that good? How do like, that's cool. I'm going to pick their brain. I want to be like these dudes. Those dudes are awesome. I want to be up there with them. I'm going to go work out with them. You know, I'm like, you know, someone's going to say, Hey, Alcorn, you want to do a workout? Heck yeah. Let's go do a workout. Let's go have fun. Hey, Alcorn, I want to teach you some or show you some cool. I'm all ears. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be a sponge. You know, and I think allowing so many people have gotten into that thing of just, well, I know better. I know this. I know you don't know nothing. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. You could be an expert. In, there's still somebody that's going to know more than you do. And if you can take the shut up, hear what they have to say, and go, cool. Thanks for taking your time to teaching me that. Thanks for taking the time to show me something that you know. You know, appreciate those things. Yeah. Because we think we deserve it, dude. We think we deserve it. Like, if we think, oh, no, like, they should tell us that. They should do this. Like, we deserve it. Like, I'm important in this world, dude. Like, that's how the flesh side thinks. Like, I'm important. People should be doing that for me. No, man. Like, every day I get up, I come into the gym, dude, and it's like I've never been in here before. And it's like, I love doing hitting lessons with kids every single night because when I go into a hitting lesson, I think, man, it's just like this, dude. What is the, what is the situation in the world teaching you about yourself? So when I go in and teach that, man, it's like, man, I'm doing a hitter lesson, but this hitting lesson's teaching me about life. I've got to try to get this kid to do this, and he's learning from a different perspective, but everybody's learning. You know, everyone's trying to figure out how to perform at their best. And that's why I carry the iron sharpens iron, because I just do this. If you're firing on all cylinders, if I'm firing on all cylinders, then guess what? Your family's going to be firing. You're going to be helping our community. I'm going to be helping the community. I'm going to be good for our family. Bessie's going to be crushing it. You're going to be out there doing different things. And if we do that, the world changes, man. And that's all it is, dude. You got to have those people in your life that are like, dude, let's get after it, man. Like, let's let's freaking get up, get after it and be men. And this is the thing today, man. Men today and kids today need to see. And I really feel like all of us being like knowing Jesus. Think about what the world's doing about God right now. They're trying to take away gender. They're trying to take away the mister. They're trying to take away what a man truly is. It's the enemy's greatest plan, dude. Like, let's take, we're created in the image of God. So you know what? Why not take that out of the world? Like, I don't want the image of God here. So now it's more important than more than ever 
that these young kids and these young men say, no, nah, dude, like it's not cool to have premarital sex. It's not cool to think watch porn. It's not cool like to do this. It's not cool to put people down. It's not cool to judge people and hate on them for their sins because you think you're perfect. Like all that way of thinking, like, no, that's not what a man does. A man treats a lady with respect. You treat others with respect. You help people out. You help people become better because everyone's hurting. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, dude. Like straight up, man, when I have these conversations and I thought about this this morning, the world needs love, dude, because we think everyone out there has self-esteem and is feeling good. It's untrue, dude. Everyone's walking around thinking about himself the same way you were, the same way I was, because the world's telling them they're not good enough. You're a loser. you got to do this. You're not good enough. You don't look good enough. It's all just pounded. Negative, 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 man. It takes a – you can – this is what I think Jesus wants us to do. When you walk up to someone and say, hey, man, it's not going unnoticed that you're working hard. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Gosh, dude, those words, I tell you what, as a coach, I've never found more powerful words than just reaching out to someone that you know is busting their butts. And God always puts it on our heart too. That's the thing. But do we listen? But yeah. it's, even if it's just sending a text, like everyone bashes social media, dude, just reaching out to someone that God puts on your heart and say, man, you're working your butt off, dude. God's proud of you. He sees it. Keep working hard. Those words, dude, they change the world because that's all anyone wants, man. They, everyone feels unnoticed. Everyone feels unnoticed and like everything they're doing isn't worth anything. And it's right. and people need to say those words, dude. We, yeah, dude. You know, I watched this little thing. The other day on Facebook, or actually not the other day, it's been a little while, but, you know, it speaks truth to Jackie and I's background. So Jackie's, you know, first generation American, you know, her parents are from Mexico. And then me growing up and a lot of the Spanish culture with mom being Spanish and of course being in New Mexico, you hear these stories of like, it was on Facebook, you know, my dad never told me he loved me. You know, my dad took care of me and, you know, and he was a good father. But, you know, these guys were asking like, hey, why didn't you ever say I love you? And, you know, I've seen that so much growing up. And I didn't have that with my dad. Dude. I was very fortunate. My dad's always been vocal. They love me. Uh, but I've seen that with other people. And, you know, dude, I tell my friends that, hey, I love you. You know, I, I let people know that I care about that. I love I love you. Dude, homeboy at the gas station that you can tell has been strung out on drugs for months. You know, I remember going up to him and just like, you hungry? You know, like, dude, you don't look good. You know, I'm not going to give you cash, but they'll buy you some food and just talking to him. You know, I we could all walk past that guy. God knows I've walked past that guy probably 200 times before that time. But yeah. just that day, God grabbed me and like, dude, give him something to eat. Give him something to eat. Talk to him about a story like. And just ask him, like, hey, dude, have you been using a lot? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, you should probably think about getting clean. He's like, yeah, I know. It's like, cool, dude. And then, you know, like, hey, you have a good day, but I love you. Because God knows when the last time anybody told that guy, I love you. And that's God's that's God's kid too, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And, like, through my season, I've been reading a lot of, like, Romans and Ephesians and, like, how we're supposed to model like what, what's our responsibility as Christians and stuff and like hearing your story, Drew, and obviously like hearing Adam's story and mine, but like 
understanding like God's grace, man. Like I hear your story and I instantly think of like God's grace and how like he was slow to anger with you and patient and like you sitting in the pew and going back to church and feeling like that overwhelming love, you know, and, and how our cultures defined love so much differently. It's, it's important in like hearing like the work aspect, right? Like you, you become a Christian and you feel God, but then there's like a responsibility that we have of like getting our life back together and, and being back in the reins and stuff. And it's just been super cool to see that man. Like I remember meeting you and coming in and Adam being like, Grant, you have to meet this Drew guy. Like he came in <laughs> and just opened up like an open book. Like you're going to have to meet him. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, like I'll meet him and, and hearing your story, man. And like the vulnerability, right? Like our culture is very much like, keep, keep your emotions to ourselves. And like a man's supposed to like not be open and vulnerable. And like seeing the power in that, like sharing your brokenness and, and getting through that and knowing that like Jesus is, is the path through that. Like he's the only one that can fill a lot of voids in our life, but like we have responsibility and like Ephesians and, and Romans is very heavy on like, now we have to like share this good news of, of who Jesus is and his true character. Right. And not, not getting that twisted and knowing that like true love is in accountability, right? Like aren't iron sharpens iron, but like sometimes that ironing sharpening iron doesn't look the prettiest, right? It's like telling your friend, Hey man, you're, you're 300 pounds and you're overweight. Like, let's get you on the right track. And that's, oh, yeah. not, that's not an easy thing to say. And that's not an easy thing to go through, but but the end result of that is, is so good. And, and a lot of like what Adam said, right. Of like brick by brick, you know, it's a slow process, but like building that foundation is huge and having the conversations of, you know, premarital sex and stuff. Like I used to kind of run from that. And now like ever since me and Adam talked about it, like this week, I've been telling everybody about it and have met strangers and told them, you know, like I'm still a virgin and, hearing their story of like, wow, like you're so powerful and like, keep, keep going and keep doing stuff and having opportunities to talk to people about stuff like that. It's it's just cool, man. And it's cool to be held the nugget, dude. It was a nugget. Yeah. I I always told you, I always told you, man. And it's crazy. Think about how God used a 13 year old kid that you coach by wearing a shirt. And yeah. then you called me that. And then you called me that night and you're like, man, I got to get a shirt. And I'm like, dude, I remember so many trail runs here where I always would tell you, Bessie, like, man, you're going to change the world, dude. You're going to change the world. You, you have the golden nugget for kids today, man. Like yeah. you have something that can take, you know, a big dent into that. Like it yeah. was so, and I could see it, but I mean, you've got to go through your own journey to like see it in yourself. Yeah, and, too, like, and that's God's know? grace too, right? Like his patience with me and like, giving me time to truly understand that. And also like y'all side of it too. Like you guys have a power in being through it, right? Like I have this power of being disciplined in it and showing that like it is possibly done, but like you guys also have this power of like, Hey, I've lived it. I know what it feels like. And like, obviously I, I can't relate to that because I haven't committed like that, but there's a balance, right. And like being able to have a conversation and talk on both ends, kind of what you were talking about is just huge. And like Drew, even today, right? Like depression and stuff. And like everyone, everyone goes to this depression phase and kind of runs from it. It's it's just so cool, man, to see God's grace and like his true love. And like going back to like 
a lot of kids not having that father and like Ephesians is so heavy on like God's character of like God's our father and like he has this good plan for us and sometimes like we get lost in thinking that it's not good but like hearing your firefighting story right like you know you think you want to do like the police academy and then all of a sudden your friend's like hey why not do the fire department and like you listen you listen to that and now like you're doing your dream job and I also think of like you praying on like Jackie right like you had been praying for months how do I get there and you're patient through it and then God like delivers Jackie to you in this way that like you didn't expect but you trust it and like that plan that God had was like so good and like it taught you patience and I don't know it's just it's super cool to see like different sides of it man and yeah like it's just so much fun and I've I've had the honor of like being back home and working with your kids Drew like yeah that was was in my small group and stuff like that it's it's just so cool man and to see like your son look up to you and talk about you and your story. Yeah. Like there's so many, there's just a lot of power in it, man, but it's just, it's been fun. I love to see this, man. I love to see that in all our stories. And I think this is where we get lost sometimes when it comes to faith. And I always tell people this, man, like I can't force you to know Jesus. I can't tell you to live your life or whatever this way, man. Like you do have to experience it. That's all it comes down to, man. There has to be an experience that you feel with him. And sometimes by sharing these stories, I love hearing Drew's just from a different perspective of like, it's not the drugs and alcohol in that way. No, it was something different. And I I can't relate to that because he walked that way. You know, that was his walk. And to hear the story, the way it shows up, you know, in that direction, man, like I just sit here so fired up to hear it because – it, it's just cool, man. I, I, I love these conversations. It's one thing we always had at the strike zone and with God working through all of us that we're all sitting here. And what God wants us to do that first time, Drew, is that I really think God loves it when we just say seek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you had faith. You went to church. Whether you didn't want to or not, you had that voice that said, this is stupid. But you know what? Maybe yeah. there's something there. And it's the seek. Just tell people like, man, seek the truth. The truth will set you free. I won't set you free. Grant won't set you free. The truth from Jesus will set you free in your story. All you have to do is seek him. And I swear he loves it when we just have that initial face, when you're at rock bottom. All right. I remember when I would take so many drugs and be awake for four days straight I was at rock bottom. I was the same way as Drew, like an atheist. I hated God and all this. But when no one else was around, I would sit there saying, God, please have me open my eyes in the morning because I don't want to die tonight. And he listened. And even in my worst days, Nate Broughton said this. Drew said it today. That's the grace of God. Mm-hmm. I remember Nate Broughton. This is a story I tell everyone because he nailed it on the head. He said he was smoking crack for three days and he said he could see these evil spirits flying around the house. Yeah. And he said, you cannot be here in the name of Jesus. And they left. And he, I remember him crying at that point saying, even in my worst gutter drawn days, smoking crack me in my worst days, snorting speed, drinking all that. He still showed his love. Yeah. He still showed up because you had the faith to ask. Mm -hmm. You had the faith to ask. If you're an atheist, why do we ask? Oh, yeah. 
That's the faith. That's the seek. He loves that. You, you're showing him no matter what you've said in this, you're showing a little bit of faith. Mm-hmm. And that little bit of faith is the mustard seed that turns into something fantastic, dude. Yeah. That's always been my biggest drawback with atheism. And I've just I've challenged a handful of guys with it just in talks with them. You know, it was just if you really believe he doesn't exist, then why are you angry about it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like same idea, like being angry at unicorns or being angry at Santa Claus. You know what I mean? It's like, if this really doesn't exist, why are you angry with it? And why do you care if someone else believes that? And why do you feel the need to prove that they're wrong? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's dudes I, that you know, I'm super close with that, you know, don't believe in God and don't have a relationship with them and they're fine and adjusted. But if that ever does happen and they ever want it, I want, to let them know that, man, I accepted you when you didn't, and I'm going to accept you now. I'm going to love you, and I'm still going to love you. Whether yeah. you on to it or you don't grasp onto it, I'm going to continue to love you because that's my job. Yeah, and it's just good to, like, be in the mindset that, like, these people that don't believe, like, all our job is, is to mirror as closely as we can the lifestyle of Jesus and 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 pray that that, that like – act or how we share like how are the light can affect people like it's interesting you know like obviously you know romans ephesians is very clear on like we're not saved through our works but like only through believing in him and like i've reached this point of like true belief is like is is acting it out right like you know paul's talks about like us dying and becoming new right when we become new like we we see Jesus and we know him so much that like, we want to mirror that. We want to start acting like that. And like, no, it's, it, you're, he's right. Like, it's not our acts that are saving us, but that true belief of like, man, Jesus was right. And I want to be so close to that and, and share, share that with people. And like these atheists, these non-believers, like if we just continue to like show love and, and like, let them know like what they're doing is harming them, but be patient with them and slow to anger with them. Just like God, like that works huge. And I think that's something that we've twisted as human beings, you know, saying that oh, like, yeah. and going back to like this, like Jesus is this soft, loving person. It's like, no, like Jesus is harsh, you know, and not timid, but also like goes to the sick and wants to be with them. It's just, it's just interesting to, to do that. And like, oh, see that through what i've been reading yeah dude real love is not mushy yeah real love is not just this you know hallmark card you know real love is hard dude it's real love is without a doubt probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever have to do because it's forgiveness it's Mm -hmm. accept it's dying to yourself man Mm -hmm. to really love somebody to love god to love your spouse to love your children to love your community to love anybody you have to die first yeah yeah you know, fully sacrifice the idea of self to truly love somebody so then you know and the ideas of like self-preservation and self anything that has to go out the door mm-hmm. you can't love anybody you know one you can't love yourself like until you start loving other people yep you know, I mean, I got to I gotta share. I got to share a story with you guys this morning. Like, this is crazy how it came up. But like this morning, man, like 
I found out my uncle died from Australia. Okay. And this guy, and this guy was a, he was a big influence in my life, man, but he struggled, just struggled a lot, man. Just a lot with the devil in his life, you know? And I got a message from my cousin who was like my older brother this morning that his dad had passed away, you know? So, I mean, just thinking about it, dude, this hit me in a whole nother level this morning, man. And I've like been dealing with these emotions all morning where I'm like, I know the story of Jesus and I know the lifestyle he led and man, like if, if he didn't know Christ, dude, like that's it, man. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to spend eternity where, where the story goes, you know? And I was like, how many times do we not say what needs to be said or because of our own ways, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it, it, in the end, who cares what these people have in their life, man? Who cares if they were drunks? Who cares if they were divorced? Like we, we make so much, so much bad stuff about that stuff, man. Like, and we rag people for it, you know, and there's no grace and love in people. And what about, you know, when someone you love or someone, you know, that you spent time with in your life, man, I remember being a little kid and I would spend days at this guy's house, you know, and, like just being like a part of me growing up. And I was like, man, to think that, man, I don't know if he got to know Christ before he died. I don't know. Yeah. And dude, I lost it this morning because I'm like, man, in, in the end, dude, it's not the person. It's not humans, dude. It's, it's the battle of Satan versus God in the spirit world. And no matter what people have in their life, whether it's negative and it's what the flesh has done to them and what Satan has done to them, you got to love people, dude, because in the end, what's the end game here to live a better life tomorrow or to get everyone to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And dude, it crushed me today, man. Cause I'm like, it just put me in a spot where I thought about people I love where I've talked to so many people, man, where they just bash people for what they do. And I'm really big on this. And that's why, like, even when I met you, Drew, when I met, when I told Grant about you, I seen you being vulnerable and telling me that stuff. And I was Ultimate proud of strength. it. Like, I'm telling Grant, like, dude, you got to meet this guy. This guy's real. Like, you've got to yeah. meet this. And I don't know, man, this morning I was like, it was just tough for me because it put me in a situation where it's like, man, could I have shared the word with him? Yeah. You know, maybe because I, I mean, I have a strained relationship with my family back in Australia. And, it's just like, man, maybe it's my feelings getting in the way of like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to do this. And then it was like, when I thought about him, maybe, you know, not knowing Christ, it, it crushed me today. dude. It made me understand that, you know, and excuse my French here, but I'm just going to be real on it. Like, fuck all the bullshit. Like we need to strip down all that bullshit of hatred and judgment and all this man, because in the end, our family, it's our family getting back to him. That truly matters, dude. I don't want any person I know. And this is like, if I believe in who Jesus is and how this story goes, that's the end game, bro. That's the end game. There's nothing else that matters beyond that. Like that has to be number one, because just think if you don't share that message with someone eternity, dude, we're not talking about waking up in a couple of days, you know? It's, it's, it, it just hit me on a whole nother level where it's just like you said, Grant, treating people every day with God's love. It's not about us. No, 
It's not about us, dude. It's about sharing his message for him and everyone else, man. It's not about Adam. It's not about Grant. And every single one of us, when it gets focused on us, we don't make the phone call. We don't reach out. We don't share God's love with others because we're so caught up on our damn freaking self, dude. Yeah. I feel bad. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that, man. And it's like, how many times do we say that before it's too late? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it, it, it's just nuts, man. It, 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 I, I was working out this morning in here just crying my eyes out because I didn't know how to deal with that emotion at the time, man. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I had never felt that before and I was trying to like deal with it, but it was just flowing, coming out. And it was just, it drilled home the point of everything we're talked about today, man, where it's not a joke, dude. It's no. not a joke. It's not a joke anymore, no. dude. Like when Drew says, I love you, the people we love, the people that I know, like I do love those people. I mm-hmm. want their families to be safe. I want them to live the best life possible. I don't want any of them to suffer, man. And I don't know, dude. It was just a weird situation that I'd never dealt with before. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's cool, man. It's just, it's just a cool thing, dude. And like, I mean, my, my thing would be like, like, you know, now, and like, that's, that's just the thing. Right. And I heard a good thing about, I was talking to my roommate about this of like how Jesus works and stuff. And like, like what our responsibility is, right. Like Jesus is like our daily bread. And like, I feel like a lot of times, we look at it as like a weekly thing, like just a Sunday fill up. Yeah. Like we need to get to the point of like every day Jesus is giving us, like he's the bread of life. Like he is our daily bread. Like we need to wake up and go to sleep and like talk to Jesus. And like, how many times do we get caught up in like doing it once a week or every, like we need, we need, need to be like every day, man. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a joke. And like what we're called to do as followers is like, is to take it serious and to, and to do that. And yeah, it's, it's just been cool, man. And I guess just like keep to keep going and moving forward and keep, keep being in the word and keep learning and letting God, God touch our hearts and, and continue to be light workers and, and keep going, man. And yeah, it's good. It's good. I can tell you like right now, man, I'm, I, I know I'm spiritually lazy right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this first year of firefighting going through my probationary year, you know, and then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and some Saturdays I'm full or not full time, but, you know, an EMT class from six to 10 at night. And then I'm doing homework and everything else. So like, you know, when that Tuesday rolls around for, you know, our married couples and our church, man, I don't want to go. I just want to go home and do this. But then it's like, yeah, but what are you being fed at home? You know, what are you being fed going to sit here and not do anything is that feeding your marriage is that feeding you spiritually you know there's some days dude when i you know i know what not this weekend but next weekend i'll be coming off shifts that sunday morning and dude most times you come off shift all you want to do is go sleep mm-hmm. you know you have shifts you want to just go right to bed but then it's like but what am i going to miss out on staying up a little bit extra you know my wife could drive me i don't have to drive yeah you know? I can sit there, but I can be fed to come home, take a nap, you know, I can still get yeah, fed. And like, <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off, but like going back to like, if you don't, if you don't feed, like start your day off with Jesus or like end it with Jesus, like even in your work shift, right? Like if you don't, if you don't feed yourself with Jesus, how many opportunities are you going to be at work 
or whatever that you might be able to share Jesus with someone, but like you haven't fed your mind that, that you miss it subconsciously, you just miss an opportunity. But if you wake up and like, be like, man, Jesus, like, I'm just so glad you're a part of my life. I want to go share you with someone that one opportunity that you might miss all of a sudden is there. And it's on your mind because you fed your heart that, and like, it's a slow process. Like that goes back to like the foundation, right? If, if you mm-hmm. start your day off with that brick of, I want Jesus to be a part of my life. I don't, however, he's affecting me. I want to share that with someone today. Like that's, that's where we need to get to. And yep. it's just been cool to see us three. I would say like the SC family, like scans, everybody that's been a part of it. All of us just continuing to like make our culture that yep. and like know that it's like, this is. Well, this and, is think, awesome. and think about this and think about this dude. Like when we're gone, like I, the proudest thing I said, Joe Linder and I talked about this the other day, man. The yeah. proudest thing that I am like, I love the most is that Gracie and Ashton know who Jesus is. Yeah. Because in oh, the no. end, man, oh. because in the end, Grant isn't standing in front of God with Adam. Yeah. You know, you're standing there when the end game's done, it's you standing there with your story. And it's like when we're said and we're long gone, how many people did we, we always know if they know Jesus, they'll be okay. But we get so caught up on like, look at how many people I saved or look what I did or looked at this. Dude, when it all comes down to it, man, the people in your life, did they know Christ? Mm -hmm. That's it. That nothing else matters but that. So you have to share your stories of who Jesus is because in the end, if I'm on the other side of those pearly gates and then you come up, I want you to know Jesus to be able to go into heaven too. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to get there and say, ah, oh, you know what? I, I, my, I don't want to not be on this planet and my kids go through life not knowing who Jesus was. Yeah. yeah. I don't want that for, like, I don't want that for my kids and my kids know who Jesus is. And I'm so proud of that fact because I know no matter what happens, they'll always be okay because in the end they're his anyway. They're not mine. Yeah. They're his, they're his children, you know? And I really believe by sharing these stories and talking about this, it gives light to him, man. It doesn't give light to the strike zone. It doesn't give light to Drew. It doesn't give light to Grant, Adam, all the other bullshit that comes along with any of that crap. Yeah. It's all about him. Mm Mm-hmm. It's That's about nice. Jesus's light shining through me and you and him. And it's about his light making the world better. We get so caught up on our, how many kids we affect and how big our groups are and all this crap that it's all ego on us, man. Mm-hmm. In the end, it's not about us. Yeah. You know, it, it's about, yeah. listen, when you go to heaven, I go to heaven and we all stand in there fighting the same battle against good and evil. Cause that's where I'm going, dude. I'm going to lay my line down for the battle of good and evil. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's my job. That's what we have to do. But the battle is this. You have to go through the king. Yeah. I'll go through yourself, man. And I think that hit me big time today because I just, I, I tucked away a few emotions, man, because of my own ego, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I want people to understand a lot of people look at us and they're like, Oh man, you're doing so good. You're doing this, man. Every single day I struggle. Yeah. Every single day I struggle, man. I struggle. Like sometimes I yell at my wife or sometimes I don't make the phone call because I'm feeling this way. And sometimes I don't do this. And 
dude, I struggle every single day, man. And I, I, it's not a perfect life. You know, mm. it's, it is the struggle. And Drew nailed it that you just learn how to handle those struggles better, man. And they're never going to go away. That's the other thing. I heard a great quote one time where Randy Couture, the great UFC champion, said he never outran the negative voices. Yeah. And he was world champ. So it's like the devil's always going to be there, but you have to come up with the defense and the attack to counteract the moves that he's trying to do, man. Yeah. That's all it comes yeah. down to. And that's why Jesus died for us, dude. That's why the crucifixion was there. That's why he shed his blood for us. It was to conquer that. Yeah. And dude. anyone out there listening today, take your pain to him. He doesn't want you to fight that battle. Just like he did for Drew, my son. he doesn't want you to fight that battle. He died for that battle to be beaten. And when you go to him to be healed, your life changes forever, man. And it, like I said, it doesn't get easier every day, man. I struggle, like I said, but you go through him and you can handle the fear. You know, you can handle it. He's the king. We just have to know our role in the situation, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for reals. The ego is a tough thing, man. The ego is a tough thing because when you go out and God blesses you to bless others, the ego wants to take the credit for yourself. It's a tough line, dude. It's a tough line because it's like you want to be like, oh, look at this. Look at how many people I saved. Look how many people I got to hear and look how many people this. Dude, you're just doing God's work and taking credit for it. Yeah. yeah. We, sit here, we sit here and pray to God every day, just like Grant said. You sit here and pray to be more like Jesus, but then he sends you the blessings and you act on them, but then you take credit for it. Look what Grant's doing and look what Adam's doing. It's like, no, he's sending you the idea. Yeah. So you have to, that's the thing. Who's He's sending you the idea. You're relaying the message, mm -hmm. but you ain't given the message. You still have to choose it. Don't get me wrong. You have to choose to say it. You have to choose to speak it. But where are you getting that image from when it comes down to it in the end? Yeah. All right. That's yeah, all right. that it comes down to. You got to give him the credit because you pray. You can't pray to Jesus and say, hey, man, give me the life I want. Like, show me what I'm supposed to do this. And then he gives you the ideas. You go out and bless others. Then you're like, yeah, man, look what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm doing great things, dude. I'm doing great things. I just saved freaking 30 people this week. Look. No. It's coming from dude. Yeah. I can personally say, dude, since, you know, my life from 31 years till now is nothing I've done. It's what's God's done through me. You know, mm -hmm. I give me the ability to do what I've done now. I, yep. dude, if this, if everything was up to me, I would have like burned this ship easily by now. I know I would have, Yeah. you know, failed out of the Academy with Farmington. You know, just because, you know, in my mind, I'm just not smart enough. I just don't understand things good enough. You know, fear would have taken over the old me. You know, just, yep. you know, my marriage, I would have already been divorced again. I would have, you know, everything would have just, just been trash. So I know for a fact from 31 years old till now and from now on, you know, anything that happens to me, dude, that's God working through me. hundred percent. I didn't do this. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it, dude. That is that is it to a T, because when I seen your story today, dude, and I knew how powerful this was going to be today anyway. But when I see you, that's 100 percent what I see. I see Jesus. I see like, you know what? That's a warrior, dude. 
That's a frigging warrior. For people that want to talk about being a warrior and being a badass dude, you know what a badass dude is? Be the best frigging guy God created you to be. Get up every single day. Give the best to all the gifts he gave you to be. That's a true badass. Mm-hmm. That is a badass. No matter what you've gone through, you get up, you bust your ass, you give the best to everything, the gifts that he gave you to be. You take care of everything, man. That's a badass, dude. That's a man. That is a badass in life. Not all this fake crap that you see on the internet about, you know, all the other crap that you think a man is, you know, that's a true man, dude. Like someone that that's, that's the warrior freaking spirit, dude. That is the warrior spirit. That's the biggest thing, man, with young men coming up. And we have so many of these young men in this community, you know, kids, whole nine yards, dude. You know, being a dude is not about chicks and getting money and, you know, how many girls you can go out with or sleep with or the car you drive or what. Dude, let's face the facts. You know, for the most part, the guys that we think that are cool talk, don't ever talk about that stuff, dude. Like one guy that drives, like just gets my gears going is Jocko. You ever hear him talking about women? You ever hear him talking about like just stupid mundane stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that to me is like that's kid stuff. That's not a man. Tell 100%. me about tell me about loving your wife. Tell me about taking care of your kids. Tell me about you know the, the things that you've accomplished. That man, I see like do men be young dudes in this community? that have taken on businesses that have taken on these roles. And it's like, dude, you're a kid and you're doing this. That's what's up. Dude, you see success stories. They have successful marriages, these wonderful families. And it's like, dude, that's awesome. I'm proud yep. of that. I'm proud of seeing the young men that these guys are turning to, man. Every time I see Tim Bailey, I'm seeing this guy run these businesses, become a dad and do these things. And I just remember, I remember meeting that kid when he was 17 years old we're talking about elk hunting. That's the first time I met the kid. To see him where he is now, it's like, dude, I love that guy. I love mm-hmm. seeing what he's done with his life. I love seeing, dude, where strike zone is gone. I remember years back kind of like watching you guys through the filter, you know, like seeing where it is now and seeing how many young men that this has affected. You know, how many young ladies that this has affected. It's, it's cool to even just have a shadow and to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know? It's so much. It's so much bigger, dude. It's so much yeah. bigger than all three of us. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all it is, man. And the thing about like even this conversation today, and I had to laugh because Grant told me yesterday we had a forty-minute limit, and then at about thirty-five minutes, the time goes. Oh, the time for this meeting is good now, and I'm like, man, God really wants us today, and because there's three spirits, there's three spirits of the Lord all sharing the realness, man. Like this, I tell you what, those conversations, the, the number one thing that I've found in life is that pure conversations with people are the biggest gift this to this world. Like I remember sometimes at the strike zone, dude, people would come in and then three hours later, we don't even know where we're at. Oh, because there's that. no cell phones. There's no cell phones or nothing. And I'm like, man, I had a plan today. But God brings this person in here, and now three hours later, I don't even know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know? It's good. I was at Shiloh before I went on my very first shift <laughs> fire department, meeting him at Sportsman's, and like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, we're going to work together. And 
hey, I'm going to do a leg day with Adam tomorrow. You want to come in? Yeah. And then, yeah, next thing you know, we hammer out a vicious leg day. <laughs> just talk about Jesus' life. And it's like, that happens every time I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird, dude. Like, I hadn't seen you in so long. Like, my marriage at that point, again, was like another point. Like, we're at a crossroads. Like, everything's hard. I don't get what's going on. You know, and I don't understand why everything's so hard right now. And then I'm having that conversation with you, Shiloh. And it's like, I leave there, come home, kiss my wife. And I'm like, please forgive me. Dude, I, I got to share. I got to share that story, man, from my perspective, because, gosh, you taught me so much that day. I learned such a valuable lesson because you came in being another married man. And, you know, I've been married to my wife for 18 years. And, gosh, we could tell you stories of trials that would shock the world, like, for what we've gone through to get where we're at, man. And I remember you came in that day and it was like seeing my old self and my, you know, new way of life. And I was like, you know, the old self, like you said, there was guys out there that weren't married and stuff being like, Oh yeah, you know, do this, this, this. And I realized that day, dude, being a man is like, no, this is warfare. Do you really think the devil wants you and Jackie to be happy? Do you really think the devil wants your kids to be happy? No, he didn't. And he was trying to throw a fire in there. And I knew right there, I was like, we, and I was, this is really being big on me and just praying together. Cause I, that really has been tough for me in my life to do it in public. You know, like that's just one thing I've had to face, but I knew right there, it was so crazy. I was like, man, we have to pray on this right now. Like this is the enemy. Cause I'd seen the enemy do it in my marriage. I'd seen him do it. And he doesn't want powerful people that both know God together. Let's get oh, no. that straight. If God puts you with who he was supposed to be, trust me, the enemy does not want that power and he'll do everything he can to break it up. And I seen that, that, you know, I seen myself like you're sharing it with me, but I seen my younger self in you. And I'm like, dude, we're going to pray right here. Right? So we did, dude, I tell you what, man, I looked on Facebook three days later and you're at the cabin with your family, with Jackie and all the kids. Yeah. And you, and you were sitting in front of a fire with your family and the whole family was smiling. And I said, that's it. See, that's the warfare. That's what we have to teach everyone here, man. That is the warfare. The enemy tried to come and get in your family and you have to have your brothers out there that don't make fun of you for praying. They say, you know what, dude? No, we're not going to take this crap. We're going to pray on it and we're going to come fight it. We're going to come back at it. And then look what happened, dude. All, all six of your kids are sitting there smiling and you're backing God's grace. Yeah. That's, that's warfare, dude. That's being a freaking man. That's standing up for your brothers. That's standing up for families in your community. That's standing up for kids and not allowing the enemy to come in and say, you know what? But how many times do we see a brother struggling well, just like that, but we don't pray with them. Yeah. And then you see them go back out into battle and they're struggling in their families or they're struggling in their relationships instead of knowing, man, that's the warfare, dude. That's the warfare God tells us in the spirit. We have to battle. Gosh, that was a lesson that day, Drew. That lesson to me that day drilled home the point that this isn't a joke. You need to pray with your brothers. You need to pray and protect because it's real. Gosh, dude, I swear that taught me so much. And I was just like, it drilled home more of the truth to me that day. Something like Jackie and I talk about a lot. And this is, I want other men to hear this. You know, when you counsel with other men, you counsel with other Christian married men. 
you know, you don't counsel with your friends that are out of the faith about your marriage. And I, I see so many dudes do that. And I mean, I have friends that I love that I would give anything for, but they're the last person in the world I am going to counsel with, with my marriage. Cause right. I know they're, Oh dude, forget her. You know, yeah. you do make you happy. I don't yep. want to hear. I want to hear the guy that's going to be like, well, what are you doing? What are you contributing? Not, well, you know, what's Jackie doing? I don't want it. And that's the thing. I know when I seek that, I don't want to hear about what my wife's doing. I want somebody to ask me the hard question when I can't ask myself, what are you doing in your marriage? What are you doing constructive? What are you doing to, to make this right? Are you forgiving her? You know, are you showing her grace? You know, are you dying to her like you were intended to? And I, I want guys to understand you cannot get counseled from a man that is not in the same walk that you're in, you know, you, yeah. and that's just, it's the truth. You can't, you know, you're not, you're not going to have somebody tell you how marriage is that isn't married mm-hmm. or doesn't have a, you know, a Christ experience. In it. Yeah. You know, I mean, what is he going to teach you? What is he going to show you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, that, was, that was a powerful thing that day, man. Cause I remember the same thing. I remember going through stages in my marriage where all my clothes would be out in the front yard. I was kicked out of the house. Divorce was being talked about and I'm driving down the highway like lost. And I remember I love Joe Linda's grandparents because I would, I would show up there at points sometimes in our worst days and I would like be on their doorstep and they always took me in dude. And I would spend their spend a night in the back room, you know, like at her grandparents' house. And they showed me God's love, dude. They all, I do anything for those people because every time I was kicked out, man, they always took me in, dude. And I remember so many points driving down the road, dude, screaming at the top of my lungs, so angry at God being like, are you freaking kidding me? This is exactly what I get, like arguing with him. And then he did exactly what you did. And he's like, Oh, really? You're not doing this? And I would have to surrender because I was so freaking angry and I would have to be like, and he would turn the tables on me, dude. And he would like, okay, really? Are you being a good man? Are you doing this? And I'm like, oh, I hated it. I hated it, man. I Gosh, it was so hard. It was like I was arguing with someone and I didn't understand it at the time. And that's one thing Joe and I are so proud about is that our marriage has been so hard. So hard, but we never quit, dude. We never quit. And I love my marriage today. I just love it. I love my wife today. I love my kids. I love my family. And I just so glad I never quit in the worst days. But gosh, it was it was tough days, man. It was tough days being a man and getting humbled and doing that stuff, dude. It was just there was a lot of days like that though, man. Everyone sees it today, but no one sees the path to it. You know, it's just like No one sees the path to get there. No one sees all the trials and everything. Everyone sees it today because everyone shows the good stuff. But trust me, dude, no one's walked a harder road in their marriage than us, you know? And I love that God has showed me now what it really truly means to love a woman, you know, and have that bond in a marriage that he truly wanted, you know? And just in today's world, I, I know a lot of young men out there are listening today and, if you're newlywed and that honeymoon's going to wear off 
and yeah. you and and it's not me if if you love your girl and that's who god created you to be the enemy is going to do whatever he can to keep you to apart because you will change the world together for the kingdom when you're together so understand that when you have your fight sometime it's not the other person it's the enemy just throwing some gasoline on the fire to open the door and then once you open that door dude you're in a rabbit hole that you don't even know how you get to yeah you know so just understand that's warfare that's warfare. Sometimes you need to step back and go, it's so funny when we argue with our wife and Bessie can hear this because you're going to be a husband one day, but we yeah. argue with our wife and we get so caught up on like the other person and this and that, that we don't see that it's actually Satan just planting a seed because he doesn't want you together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Dude, there's times that Jackie and I will have an argument about something stupid. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, what were we even fighting about? <laughs> exactly. What? what where yeah. did this go? Like, and it's over the nine times out of ten. That's the truth. Nine times out of ten, it's about something that would be so easily fixed by just like going, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, or like I don't agree with you, but I love you, or like you know her saying, well, you need to pick this up instead of me snapping back and being a butthole. I'm just going, okay, I'll pick that up. <laughs> yeah, you dude, know? it's 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 crazy, man. It's it's, it's really cool, though, how I, I love this. This really helped me in my marriage to understand this one time. And I remember when God told me this is that the world tells you that marriage is like this honeymoon prince and princess. Right. And that's how it's going to be. And God's going to put you with this amazing woman. Well, the thing that we don't understand, and this is what young men have to do, is that the person God's going to put you with is going to be the number one person that breaks you out of your ways. And guess what? It ain't about all sunshines and rainbows. My wife, her personality trades off my worst qualities. Like the best I've ever, like she just does, man. She trades off my worst qualities and I do the same for her. But understanding that fact, I didn't understand that my whole marriage, you know, I didn't understand that. And it's like, man, this girl like gets to me more than anyone I can imagine. But it was God's way of breaking me into being a man. Mm. Well, that's like Jackie, you know, now with the fire department, you know, having four days off, she sees that as an opportunity for us to go mission and ministry. And there's that part of me like, I don't want to do that. I like two for 48 hours straight. I'm serving the city of Farmington. Like that's my job is serving the community. Like, why do I have to go to other places? But then I know in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, she's right. That's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to serve four days off. And it's funny, too, because every time I argue with Joe, I'm not my, at my best. The energy's off. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the fire, the fire department doesn't matter. Strike zone doesn't matter if you're off with your wife because she oh, yeah. is a party. She is a part of you. And I've felt it a ton of times in my marriage where it's like if you're arguing with your wife, you go through the day. And you're not firing on all cylinders and you get this brain fog and you can't really understand why. But it's the way God set it up to be. She is a part of you and she is a piece of you. And when you guys are on the same page firing, you're, it's unstoppable, you know, and that's that's the thing, man. Understanding that fact, dude, and our wives are the number one thing. Why do we why is it so hard for men? Maybe because it's the power that God has put in that situation. But why is it so hard for us as men to like 
you know, work out with our wives or be our wife's best supporter and share out their great stuffs and be their number one fan. Like we'll put that second, but we'll go give the best to our job. Like we'll yeah. go give the best to our workout, but for whatever reason, it's so hard to say to our wife, Hey man, I'm super proud of you. Like, look what you're doing. Like, and being their biggest fan, that's a big thing men deal with because I think it's the enemy's little mental trap to try to keep that bond from being there. I've really had to be, I really had to get better in my marriage for that man is being my wife's number one supporter, you know, and not being so selfish. Like I should be her number one supporter. Like, come on, man. Like God blessed me with her and blessed us with these wives. Why wouldn't we be their number one supporter? But we never do. Like it's so hard for a husband to give credit to their wives, but we'll give everything to everything else. Well, that's like, dude, you and I definitely never married like ordinary women. <laughs> right. Yeah. With Jackie. I mean, that was, that was the big attractive thing to her with me to her was just these ministries that she was doing and, you know, living in the word. I mean, that was like, besides her just being gorgeous, you know, I'm like, Oh wow. Dude, this woman's like, she walks the walk and talks the talk. She's not just, you know, this facial thing. And, you know, Dude, I see her do these moms groups, do these women's ministries, do PH moms, you know, her mops group. You know, she's been in leadership with her mops group for as long as I've known her. And I've watched that ministry grow from, you know, a handful of women to where there are like 40, 50, 60 women now, moms that she gets to reach out to, watching her share her testimony, her be open to people. You know, there's never a day that goes by that, you know, and I probably don't tell her enough. And I know I don't tell her enough that it's just like that. She just inspires me. It's right. the work that she does. It is unbelievable. How I can't tell you how many women we've had at the house and their kids here. And, you know, I'll come home from work and there's 20 kids here running around. And it's like, and that's, that's the greatest thing about her. dude. Our home and our door has always been open. Yeah. I've, for people i you know i've had 100 kids come up to me and just who are you i'm like uh, who are you guys <laughs> you know isn't that, isn't that funny that's so funny dude because it's the same thing here i i never believed this because i've always been a private person but now every single day kids come here every single day like it's like my house is like open to kids and like people. And it's just like, it was a complete switch for me. Like I can't like the same thing. You walk outside and there's kids running around every single day. Kind of like God opened the door up to say, listen, man, this is my house. Like you're welcome in my home. You're welcome here. It's not about Adam. Like I want kids to feel that I want, like you're saying, when they come to your house, they're running around feeling that dude. Like that's, that's powerful, man. That's God sending kids there saying, listen, dude, you feel that energy, man. It's, it's a powerful thing. I've had guys that work, you know, like, man, what is it like to have six kids? And I said, first off, it's not as hard as everybody else makes it out to be. And then like, second off, I'm because again, with Jackie's ministry, I'm used to just having 20 plus kids here at any given time. Like that doesn't bother you. No. It's life in the house. That's what my home is supposed to be about. It's life. Let me, let me ask you this, though, dude. When you were 300 pounds and angry at the world, how many kids were running around your house? Two. I only had two kids. And then Ashley came along, and she was a newborn. But, dude, we never had other people at the house. And it was mostly because of me. 
you know, it wasn't because of my ex-wife. It was me. Right. I people around. I didn't want to deal with people. You know, that was the same as me, dude. It's crazy. When you're in those darkest times, it's like you just want to be alone and locked away from the world and be like, I don't, I don't like any of that. I'm this, this, this. And then now it's like every day, like I've never had people come over to my house like that. Now it's like, okay, man, let's go. You're, you're welcome. Like, come on in. Like it's open. You know, well, Jackie signed myself, uh, myself and her up for that bow up shoot that just happened at Pinion Hills church this last weekend. You know, it's like, you know, I've been going like hard in the paint with the fire department in college and all these things. And it's like, I have a weekend off and here I am doing another thing. But then, you know, she's like, come on, you know, I signed this up. We're going to have a good time. And again, she's right. Had the best time ever. Got to see friends, got to see people I haven't seen in forever. Got to serve, you know, and help out with an event that, you know, the money goes to helping families. And they you know, I just got to help and serve. And it's like, there she is again, 100% right. You know? And, and yeah. the good thing is, man, the, the good thing is, is like, and I just thought about this. You're not Drew the firefighter. Like that's one piece of you, dude. Like yeah. I really think we lost this. I really had to learn this in strike zone. Cause I used to argue with Joe all the time because I would be busting my ass and she'd be like, well, I'm like, why are you putting all this time into that? And I'm like, man, I'm busting my ass, you know? And I, you know, why, why are you getting on my butt? This and that, you know? And I never understood it at the time, man. And then COVID hit and I had to spend 90 days with my wife and I didn't go to a strike zone and I wasn't chasing the world and we didn't fight one time, you know? And I was like, that really like kicked me in the guts, dude, being like, man, what does that truly mean? Like, because I need to be a husband like you, man. Like there's Adam, the husband, there's Adam, the dad, there's Adam, the coach, there's Adam, the athlete, there's Adam, this, why do we get so caught up where it's just like, no, I'm Drew the firefighter or I'm Adam the baseball player. But no, like on Sunday, same with me, dude. Every Sunday, my entire day is with my family because I work six days a week. And I, that day to me is like I'm dad and husband that day. I'm not the baseball player. I'm not the workout. And I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm dad and I'm husband. And I really love the fact I understand that now because so many times in my marriage, all I cared about was like sports or working out or my job. It was never, man, I got to be a good husband too. You know, there's, there's pieces to this. Yeah. I mean, you can conquer the world, but what is it ever going to mean if your family wasn't there with you? Yeah. Up at the mountain and look at all the glory, but you have no one to share it with. And then you're lonely. Or you can take your family along with the ride and then stop along the way and do fun stuff with them too. And I struggle with that because like right now I want to be this, I want to get this probationary year done. I want to be successful. I want to graduate at the top of my class with the CMT stuff. But then you also got to remember, what are those kids going to remember? What are the, what is your wife going to remember? You know, what are these people going to remember? Are they going to remember like, yeah, we got to do this with dad and we got to be a part of it. Or yeah, dad did it. Dad did it good. But we, you know, we just like for a year didn't see, you know, and it's having to keep that in mind constantly. Like you got to slow like this next week, man, we got spring break. Yeah. I can go two ways about it. You know, I can, all right. Yeah. I can prioritize them and I can prioritize this or I can like, all right, dude, 
it sucks. You're going to have to stay up late, do homework when everybody's asleep. And you're going to have to get up early and do homework or work out when everybody's asleep. But you know what? Then your day is going to be with them. And it's going to be, it's going to totally pay off. And you're going to be uncomfortable for this long. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even for me, dude, like the last, I said this to someone the other night. And one of the biggest things was making my business decision to come out here and grow the ranch and strike some together. But one of the key factors for me was just like I said, in COVID, like I'm out chasing this business, but my marriage is struggling. I'm out chasing this business, but I'm not getting dinner with my kids. And, you know, for the last six weeks since I've come to the ranch, it's been a big switch for me. I mean, I put 15 years into that business down there, but I've had more family dinners the last month than I had the last six years. And that means the world to me, man. I get to sit down with my kids every night at the dinner table, talk about the day. And that's important to me, man, because when I used to work in town till nine, you know, nine o'clock at night, I'd be up at two going in to do classes. You're tired. You're doing so many different things. Well, I'm getting home. My kids are already asleep. Yeah. And the last month I've got to have so many family dinners that I really appreciate that God helps me understand that. Man, what is everything else without your family, dude? Oh, yeah. Dude, got- it's nothing, man. Nothing else in life matters, dude. Like, if you don't have your family, like you said, you don't get to experience life with them. Who cares, dude? Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if you go, like you say, do this event, do this, achieve this. If there's no one to experience life with, what's the point, man? Yep. That's a, man, that's the beauty of having kids. I mean, you know, you have, like for me, dude, I got six kids, you know, that they're still at the age that they think their dad hung the moon. I mean, and instead of like, oh, you know, that makes me a great dad. It's freaking humbling because yeah. Satan wants to attack me all the time. That's the biggest fear I have with my daughters, you know, that I had with Shelby is like, you know, nothing in my past is a secret with them, but like someday they're going to be old enough to really understand it. And that's still one of my biggest fears is like, what happens if they look at me different? You know, but it's like, but if they do, that's just something that I have to accept. You know, it's just part of the story and I'm still going to love them and I'm still not going to change anything. But I mean, right now, you know, my kids think I hung the moon. You know, grab yeah, but you th- think about think about this though, dude. I just thought about this when you're saying that, and I go back to when you started the podcast today, and you said your mom dealt with a lot of things that you didn't know about. Oh yeah. So it was, it was confusing to you, but I really feel like by your kids knowing what you went through, I don't think they would be confused when that situation comes up. I think you by you sharing that with your daughter, she's going to know. Man, she's going to know an abusive man. She's going to know this. She's going to know that because you, you shared that with her. I, I, You know, instead of her going through life and saying, if you didn't share that with her and then she gets with an abusive man and she doesn't know why she chose that because you didn't share that story. I've talked to a lot of people about that. And even Lindsay Johnson on this podcast once, she said with her daughter after she shared all the sexual abuse and the stuff that she did, she said her daughter just has a different respect about it because she's seen at the full story. She shared the testimony, you know? Yeah. So I really feel like by you doing that, it's like the, the enemy's saying here, 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 like it's the negative thing. But you know why? It's because the power of God is in your story with what you've shared with your daughters already. 
That's why he's showing up there, dude. That's the fear. He's saying, I don't want you to share any more of that. I want your daughters to go that route. I want to take that from them. So he's going to be like, put that fear on you. So you go, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't say this because I feel bad. Nah, dude, that's the power of God. That's why the fear is there, dude. The fear is there because he knows the power that your young daughter is going to grow up to be a great young woman to know how to find a king to know how to treat a man and know how to do that. And do you really think he wants that? No, but it comes back to you because you're the leader of the family. So if you don't share that with her because you're scared and you don't know Jesus, then she goes out into battle unprepared. You know, you're preparing her for the true battle, my friend. That's something that Jackie and I talk about so much, especially, you know, know, having six kids is, you know, being open and honest of our past with them. And what we've done, you know, we've like, you know, Roxy's 12 now, Jacob's 12, you know, sex is real with that age group. Sex is very real. And it's sad that it is, but, you know, explaining, you know, our past to them of the bad choices that we made of, you know, premarital sex and just like, you know, we were empty because of that. And it left us searching the wrong direction, you know, but being open and honest with them, like, Guys, like, think of how special that would be if you wait for that person. And even if that person didn't wait for you, but think about the gift that you can freely give them of commitment, love. And don't hold it back against the other partner if they didn't. Love and accept them for who they are. But, you know, that's that's one of Jackie and I's biggest regrets going into our marriage. We just wish we would have been, you know, even though we were both previously married, that we would have just saved ourselves for each other. Right. And that's just be, and that's because we just don't know. We know after we come up empty, but you just don't know at the time. And it's just like, that's why I always told Grant, dude, you're holding the nugget because when you go into the premarital sex route, you have to deal with all those issues later. Oh, dude. Like you, you deal with stuff in your marriage, you deal with stuff with pornography, you deal with all this di- issues of lust that you got to clean out this later. You know, you got to, you, you struggle in your marriage and by holding true to that woman and doing that, that's the crap you don't have to deal with later. Yeah. Man, yeah. How much easier. And I mean, marriage is hard, but think about, yeah. Taking away some of the burden before it even happens. Oh, oh. dude. I mean, that's, that's the game changer right there, dude. The game changer of like, you go, you know what, getting into what I have now in year 18 but feeling that purity and what God expected it to be because so many years of my marriage was stolen. It was stolen in that darkness. It was stolen in hatred. It was stolen in all that crap, you know, and I don't want, I don't want Grant to meet a woman and spend 15 years of his marriage in that hole, you know, like I would rather say, man, you, you get this experience 18 years of different, like a different route and that pureness, like, that's the route that, you know, should be prized right there. You know, it's, it's, it just, it hurts you later on, man. And sex is the one topic. Like you said, I said that in a podcast the other day and I said it to a lady yesterday is that 12 years old is where the topic's coming up. 11, 12, even getting a little younger. Like we've mentioned to Gracie even about kissing and stuff like that. And I've never kept anything back from my kids, dude. They know about me smashing out my teeth. They know that, 
I drank too much at points that I've done drugs that I made bad decisions. I talked to him about tattoos, all the stuff that comes in. And I've been honest with him from square one. And, yeah. you know, sometimes they joke around with me and stuff. They'll call me the stupid tattoo guy and stuff like this. And they'll joke around, you know, and have that fun. But they remember that stuff, dude. They remember like Gracie, she does not forget. She knows that I have fake teeth because I went out drinking all night. And she knows that if you go out drinking all night and you don't sleep, look, this is why I have fake teeth. Like, this is what comes back. But she knows that. I'm not sitting here saying, no, daddy's a saint. Mm -hmm. Listen, man, if you go out drinking all night and you don't sleep, like, yeah, I've got to have fake teeth the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) that stuff happens, you know? But sharing that honesty, dude, it's a – it's a big thing, dude. I, I, I'm a big believer in that too, man, because I went out and experienced the world. Mm-hmm. I went out and experienced it all. Dude, that's, and that's it, yeah. man. There wasn't one thing I left unturned. It's like when I wanted to go experience it, I trust me, I experienced it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that's like we look at our kids and, you know, not in the sense of like we want you to have a boring testimony. We just want you to have a stable testimony. You know, we want our kids to have the testimony like, you know, I was raised in the word and I knew I loved Jesus at a young age and I committed my life to Jesus at a young age. And, you know, I you know that they had that clear, concrete foundation. And you they're going to do better things, man. Yeah. Better things. They're going to be way better than us. Yeah, I love my testimony because it's mine but I don't want anybody else to have my testimony. Like I don't want people to struggle. Like I struggled. I want, and and sometimes sharing a testimony too, dude, like it's not fun to have a crappy testimony. Like sometimes people think like, Oh, my life isn't much because I haven't had to deal with this. Like, no, like sitting here sharing these stories. It wasn't fun to go through that stuff. It wasn't fun to be like, I tell this to kids all the time, man. Like, if you want to go out, oh, you your mic cut off, Adam. Sleep deprivation and stuff like that, man. Like I permanently shake. Like you think it's cool? Like I permanently have shakes. Like there's stuff that I have to heal in my body from the damage I done to it when I was younger, dude. Like yeah. that's a real where I've walked. Like. For how much booze I drink and how much stuff I stuck up my nose. Like, dude, I did some damage, man. It's not cool. You think cocaine is cool, man? I have permanent nerve issues because I snorted so many uppers and so many stimulants. Like, kids, you think that's cool, man? Like, it's not freaking cool. Like, it's not cool to go through that stuff and then say, like, that's all I'm saying, man. Some people get so caught up that they have to have this crazy dark testimony to make a change. No. That's not how it is, dude. It's not fun. I'd much rather have a simple testimony. I'm blessed to have the testimony I have. But, yeah, looking back, you know, hindsight, you can change things. I'd much rather have an easier testimony. Yeah, because so much of your life gets stolen, dude. Time is the one thing we can never get back, dude. And that's the one thing I understand now at 39 years. And I thought about this this morning, and I'm like, man, the next 20 years, I'm just like, I'm going to do so many great things the next 20 years. Like that's where I'm looking at in my life, you know, and just I'm, I'm 39 and I understand it now, but do you know how much of my life was wasted in the wilderness? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And I don't get, you don't get that time back, dude. And that's the one thing in life we don't get. So I heard this the other day and it's like, what is our relationship with time? And most of the time, dude, you remember, I've talked about this with Grant. You remember the times you're with people and and you experience something great, but most of the days in between, you don't even remember. No. Yeah. You just waste it. Throw them in the toilet every single day. And I think about my son and I'm like, Man, if my son can know Jesus, he's going to go through trials. Don't get me wrong. But if he can, like, start achieving stuff and, like, start figuring it out and doing this, how much more is he going to be able to accomplish in life than me being a 39-year-old man that had all these years lost in struggle and all this stuff? Like, dude, I want him to go change the world, man. Like, go and do way bigger things than daddy did, you know? Like, that's what I want for our next generation, man, because in the end, we're all leaving this planet, dude. We're all leaving. It's just like what, you know, King David had to do for his son. You know, King David didn't get to build the temple, but he set the foundation for his son to do so. You're setting a foundation for your children. You're, I mean, you're piecing together their armor from the day of their conception. You're, that's your job is to prepare their armor, is to prepare, you know, and, Dude, if you're not doing that, yeah, you're you're sending your kids out naked to wolves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what good are you of a dad and a leader? Yeah, you could have been He-Man, but if you didn't prepare your kids the right way. Dude, that's the coolest thing, of course, Jackie and I are in our lives. Like, realistically, in the grand aspects of time, we're really not that far off from being grandparents. You know? <laughs> right. Dude, 36 has happened like that. Yep. So, I mean, the whole thing is, like, we already get to kind of take a peek into that and think, like, man, that's going to be cool. Like, someday we're going to get to be grandparents and, like, kids are going to come over here. They think of, like, all the awesome things that we're going to do with them. That's kind of the cool point where we're at in our life is we're starting to just peek into that. High school sports are going to be coming around. We're excited about that. You know, the different ministries that the kids are going to get to be involved in now that they're getting older. It's like, man, that's exciting. You know, and just instead of, like – looking at as time passing by, it's like, man, think of all the cool things we're going to get to do together. Think yeah. of all things, you know, dude, we're like already looking to our future. Just, Hey, when I, when we retire, let's, you know, let's go do something fun, this, or see some fun that, but like in the in-between let's enjoy these kids. Let's take vacations with them. Let's do these great fun things. Yeah, man. If you invest in it, if you invest in experiences, you never go wrong. Yeah. that's it like you invest in experiences with your family that's what stays with us forever like nothing else stays with us except we take those experiences there has to be something to the human soul and those moments because they're so powerful they stand the test of time well that's like you know as many hard things that had happened to me when i was younger you know i can like vivid details of all the war stories but man like I can also tell you about all the really good times, you know, with my mom or with like family trips when things were in turmoil, you know, that's the, like the up and the down kids don't only remember the bad. They also remember the good, you know, it's, you know, it's just what you choose to invest into, you know, man, I can, I, I can think back to like these cool, simple camping trips, like up in the Jemez mountains, you know, like for at least a week, my parents weren't fighting 
and we had fun and we were laughing and together. And now as an adult, it's like, you know what? I'm going to choose to remember that. I'm going to choose to remember like the positive aspects, you know, forgiving my mom, you know, for what happened. I love the relationship I have with my mom now. You know, I love that, you know, my mom's my biggest fan, you know, 36 years old. Dude, I think that's cool that my mom thinks I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, it's a tribute, man. And I tell you what, dude, this, this whole conversation today, I, I knew it was going to be powerful, man, but I love, I, I mean, I just love where God takes conversation sometimes, man. And, yeah. The whole story of it, dude. I'm just, I mean, I'm just going to say it like this, man. From me to you, I'm so proud of you as a man. Oh, like, like seeing the story and knowing what you face to overcome, to step up what you're doing, to constantly like face that fear, push the limits and do that, man. It ain't nothing but love and respect you, dude. And I just wanted to say that before we wrap up today, man, because – I just love you. I even know, like, man, I've known you for a little bit of time, the way we have ever met, but it's like we've known each other forever, dude. It's weird. Well, it's very weird, man. And, like, I I love your story, dude. I I'm, I'm, you know we talked about this for a long time, but I appreciate you getting on with us today, man. Yeah. Um, Like, the story is just amazing, dude. Like, it just blew my mind the whole conversation today, man. I didn't even know where it was going to go. And now we sit here, you know, two hours and 20 minutes later. And it's just, it's absolutely just amazing, man. And just an amazing conversation. This is why I wanted to do the podcast, dude, because now we have that, you know, we have this forever. And this is what I want us to understand is that, the reason I share so much on social media, cause it's like the modern day photo album. And oh, yeah. you know what? Long after we're gone and you know, I'll put up YouTube videos and stuff like that. My son already asked me about YouTube and posting videos and that, but you know what? Long after we're gone, our great grandkids will hear this conversation. Yeah. That's why you got to share it, dude. See, what about if the disciples never shared their testament, like never wrote it down? Yeah. Yeah. We would have never got that message. So a lot of people will give you crap every day and say, oh, man, you post on social media. It's all about ego, this and that. Dude, that is your photo album for life, man. And people, when you're long gone, can come back and look at that stuff, man. My son can go back on YouTube, dude, and see videos his dad did 30, 50 years ago. Yeah. Well, that's you like, my, like that. That's important, man. That's my biggest thing with what I post on social media is I just, I don't want to post anything negative. I did that for a long time, you know, whether it was like religion, politics, you know, anything like that, you know? So to me, like what I'm posting positive is just where I'm taking my life. You know, I don't want to post a workout, make anybody feel bad. I'm posting a workout because this is what I like. It's something positive. And if you want to jump on board, Let's do it, you know? And how cool is it going to be, though, when your great-grandkids look back and they see this interview or they hear this and go, dude, my great-granddaddy was a badass. Like, I get to live the life I get to live right now because he took charge of his freaking life. Like, look what he set up for me. Mm -hmm. That's the power, dude. Like, you didn't have to make that choice. You could have just kept doing what you're doing, but you did. And now your great grandkids can listen to this years later and say, dude, 
the reason I'm sitting in this position today is that my great granddad was a badass dude. He came out of the traps. He did this. He changed the direction of our family. And that's the power in this stuff, dude. And I always tell Grant that. And I know he gets, you know, he probably hates me saying it all the time. <laughs> but I'm always like, that's why you share your story. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, we always, the enemy, does, you always get caught up on this. When we share our story, we always get focused on the people that are going to hate on it or the people that don't like us or the people that are going to make fun of it. The true test is this, man. When you share this stuff, when you do podcasts, when you jump out and do this, it's about the people it does help. Yeah. It's oh, about yeah. the one. There's going to be a person that listens to this, even if it's one young man. This podcast was for one young man out there for here. And if it's one young man that changes their life because of this, it was all worth it, man. And that's why sharing your message is so powerful because someone out there needs to hear it because they've been in the same situation that you went through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I know for a fact there's kids like me. Dude, I'm nothing unique. <laughs> like, not even close to anything unique. But it's, My- it's, it's unique when you stand up Yeah, and say, yeah. you know what, this is who I am. I don't care. Like that's unique. That's what kids need to see because there's a kid sitting at school right now that's depressed, whose parents are fighting. He doesn't understand what's going on. He's hurting. He doesn't know what those feelings are. And a lot of these kids say, what's the way out? Suicide, dude. Yeah. Like that's, that's, re- that's reality, man. And when Damien's calling me as a sheriff saying, dude, we get calls nearly every night about that stuff. Like he told me straight up, Adam, the number one thing you will do the next five years in your business is stop kids from killing themselves because everyone's felt that way, dude. And these kids need to know, like, listen, dude, it's okay. It's okay. That emotion's normal. I've been through it. You're not a weirdo. If your parents are getting divorced and you're getting a like, you're not weird. There's people out there that have been through that situation that have handled that stuff and come through it. And there's, it's just nice to surrender and let go and know that there's people out there like you, Grant, Joe, Jackie, like, you know, everyone out there that's gone through their path that it's okay. It's okay, man. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's okay. If there was a way, you know, to go back 20 years and hug that 16 year old kid and just tell him like, dude, it sucks and it's going to suck, but it's going to be okay. You know, just don't. It's crazy. But then granted, I wouldn't have the life that I have now, you know, but, you know, but if I could do that for another kid and like, yeah, dude, it sucks. It, that, that feeling that you're feeling is real and it sucks and it's hard, but dude, it is so temporary in the, in the, in the long game. It is such a temporary thing. Five years, 10 years, realistically is temporary. Yeah, And I just, I got this vision, man, to like finish this off. Like I had the picture the other day of Jesus walking in this garden with a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I, so many people reached out on that photo, which was really just weird to me. Cause it was just, I, I seen the power in the photo and I felt it and other people felt it too. And like, when you were going through that stuff as a 16 year old kid, man, it feels like you're drowning. And oh, yeah. You you need to be like when Jesus comes through you as a man. Now there's so many kids out there that are drowning and all they want is for you to stick your hand out and pull them out of the water, man. Don't put your foot on their head. Just say, Hey dude, like, come on, let's go this direction. It's okay. 
Like, and you, and you, you take that hand out and they grab you, but that's Christ coming through your hand to touch that person. And that handshake, it's like being a man, dude. Like I just saved you from death. Let's go. We're coming Mm -hmm. this way. Let's go. And that's what we have to do in our community is meant today is when we see these young men struggling, we're preparing them for battle, man. So sometimes just sticking out your hand, telling them how good they are, telling them that you're proud of them, you know, telling them that you love them. It, it stays with people for a very long time, dude. And it, it stops people from drowning. So that's why I love it, man. I love talking about this stuff. I love sharing the stories, man. I, I love you joining me today, dude. This was just one for the ages, man. Yeah. Yeah, real, real powerful the whole day. Like I'm sitting here humbled by it. Like yeah. I'm just sitting yeah. humbled by the whole conversation, dude. So, I mean, I love you, brother. Thanks for joining today, man. I love the family. Love what you do in our community. Yeah. Love what you do everywhere. Um, and it's just to have you, you guys like you and Shiloh and Damien now being firefighters in our community, being police officers, being sheriffs and taking care of people, being that light in the community that helps people when they're at their worst. And I mean, there's no better person, dude, to be a firefighter in our community than you. Yep. And thank you. That means a lot. I mean, honestly, dude, I, I know what I do in my life. Like I know who I am. I'm not a firefighter. I'm not a cop. I'm not a sheriff. I've seen what Damien's gone through. There's certain people God chooses to put in those positions. And I see that in like Damien, like Damien's a perfect sheriff because oh, yeah. he has, oh, he yeah. has that in him. He's that's who <laughs> he is. And he does it. And that's why God has him there for me. I'm not a sheriff. So same thing with firefighting, dude, your story and like, I, people in our community need people like you in those positions. Like you're a perfect position to be a firefighter and our community is so much better to have people like you and Shiloh and D in those positions, man. Cause that's the one thing with the world today, man. Everyone thinks they can be a firefighter. Everyone thinks they can be a cop. Uh-uh. That's not the way it goes, dude. God makes certain people for those positions and you're, you're exactly in the position at the time of your life, exactly who God created you to be. And it's an honor to watch, brother. It's honestly an honor to watch. I love seeing it every day. That picture of you when you graduated in the fire suit, like and all dressed up in your gear with your family. I'm like, I know what went in to get to that day. And to see it, man, it just fires me up. And I know the next 20 years, dude, we're going to do so much cool things around here and it's going to be cool to live the next 20 years as a different person. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the fun, man. Like we're old, we're older now. Like I'm turning 40 this year. I have kids that are eight and six. Like you said, we'll have grandkids soon. Like it's just going to be cool the next 20 years to just live a different life, man. There's like, it's going to be a different part of the journey, man. And I'm excited to be here, dude. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, man, I love you. Love your family. Love your story. And God is proud of you, man. Like God is proud of you for the determination you did. All the work you've put in up to this day, dude, he, he's seen every bit, man. And for me, from him speaking through me today, he's honored for you to be a part of his kingdom. And he's very proud of the young man you are, dude. So just remember that, dude, the enemy always comes and beats us up. 
But even for today, man, like it doesn't go unnoticed. I respect the hell out of you as a man, like seeing the way you are with your wife and your kids in the situation you're in, it fires me up to be a better dad. When I hear you share your story with honesty, it fires me up. It makes me want to keep doing what I'm doing. And you just give me a lot of fire, dude. I, 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 I really like our friendship and I love what you do, man. So, I mean, I just wanted to say that before we finish up today, I'll let Grant say his piece too, man. But just from me to you, dude, I'm proud of you. God's proud of you. And you know, you've turned into an incredible young man. Cool. Thank you, bro. I love you, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, it's always fun to get on here and, and hear people's different perspective on life, man. And just how you've like grown us, you know, like Adam said, you know, with the whole praying thing, you know, I just remember us working out, just me and Adam, and then here would come Drew in his car and we would end up just talking and praying. And I just want you to know, like, it's just so cool to see people like shape and help shape me. Like you definitely shaped me in the sense of like praying and just loving on people and our true inspiration to people who, might feel like they can't get out of it you know it's, it's just cool to see to see everything man and to see you crush it and yeah man I, great conversation I know someone's gonna get something good out of it and that's all that really matters but that's all I got man and yeah awesome cool. man let's Bye. wrap it up cool dude see Drew thanks a lot brother yep and thank you guys yep see you take care man take care all right later <laughs>